And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. edition of the Hagman Report. It is Thursday, November 2nd, 2017. I'm Doug Hagman with Joe Hagman. Together something I like to call America's Premier Father-Son Investigative Reporting Team. How's that for an introduction? Really quick, to the point. Actually, we're uh, glad to be a part of Global Star Radio Network, uh, BTR, Blog Talk Radio, the fine people there, and of course, on YouTube Live, where we broadcast Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Don't forget to check out our other shows as well. Five hours of radio, uh, nine to ten Eastern every morning. I just want to remind everyone every morning, uh, Eric the Tech just, you know, Eric, just because you're, you're family now, uh, no, uh, nine to ten every morning, uh, Doug Hagman radio show, and then two to three, Joe and John do the Hagman daily show. What do you guys think of those shows? Uh, you know, let us know actually. But a lot of news to get into tonight, uh, as we cut through the, as we cut through the, the BS of the, um, uh, of, of the, of the corporate mass media. I mean, really, it's, it's, when, when you look at the corporate mass media, I, I, I am, I don't know. I'm amazed, Joe, at, at just watching the media, watching the, uh, CNN, actually kind of doing, conducting surveillance of CNN. Of MSNBC, of NBC, uh, ABC, the, 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 you know, the three letter networks. And, and also Fox. I'm amazed at the, I'm amazed at what I see. I'm, I'm amazed at how agenda driven all of the media outlets are. And really, Peter Schock is going to uh, come back and weigh in a little bit today about, uh, why is there a fly in here? Hey, stop the hammering. Okay. Yeah, you, the little guy was. Uh, I tried to get rid of him about a half yeah. hour ago, and he he's stubborn. All right, but so, so you can tell this is a pro professional outfit, right? Um, showing professionalism, but you might see the the, the fly flying around. Hey, uh, if it lands on my nose and you take a big picture or take a picture of it, you know, and do, do it on do the Obama thing, right? But uh, but but seriously, uh, Peter Chalk is going to come in on this at the bottom of this hour and talk a little bit about. Uh, in addition to Fox News, the the landscape of of everything kind of put put everything in context. Um, but now the the news that I found really interesting, and Joe, you can weigh in on this because you've been you've been researching this and watching this. Donna Brazil Brazil, um, the interim head of the DNC, coming out with a book, and she kind of throws Hillary, Diane Rodham Clinton under the bus, pretty bad actually. Yeah, she does, and it leaves a number of. Um, key questions, and there's an, an interesting article in the New York Post. The first article that came out was from Politico, and it was a really it's still up on Drudge. It's a really good article. Uh, I I would urge everybody to read it. It details the, exactly what Donna Brazile has said about Hillary Clinton, and um, this article sums it up nicely. The stunning revelations by longtime operative Brazile that Hillary Clinton campaign secretly took control literal control of the Democratic National Committee a year before Hillary became the party's nominee is the talk of American politics as it should be. She not only took full control of the DNC to use its 
all of its resources and employees. She also took complete control of the finances, raking in tens of millions of dollars and giving back to the DNC a monthly allowance to keep its expenses above board and its operating costs. Uh, that's all the money that she gave them. Now, the book also details that after Obama's 2012 presidential run, the DNC was more than $24 million in debt and that the Hillary Clinton campaign paid back 80% of that debt that the DNC had. Uh, it was $15 million to banks and $8 million to vendors. And then she made some kind of arrangement through her political um, organizations because as an individual, you can only don- donate so much to a political uh, nominee, $2,700. But if they donate yeah. it to the Democratic National uh, com- Committee, they can donate hundreds of thousands of dollars. So what Hillary did, in essence, was use the DNC and not only their their money that they raised at a national level, but at the state level, siphoned all that money, over $82 million, they said, through the state level, into her own political funds, which is highly illegal. So, so will we yeah, see right. somebody go after her for the election fundraising crimes that she committed here, if what Brazil says can be verified and is true? Here's my concern with this, and and I think when you look at this, and I'm looking this as I'm looking at this as an investigator. I know there's a book that she wrote, and this is from the book. But I, I do know that the publication dates of the books can be moved up, moved back. Um, you know, the, the, I'm con- I'm looking at this. I find the timing very curious of this. Uh, do you? This well, yeah, with, with the uh, timing of their book release, well, like Brazil's I'm, trying to I'm remain rele- anyway, relevant. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot that she says in the in the book that I've read tidbits of today. One of the things she said is that she called Bernie Sanders after she found out that, you know, that Hillary was going to be the nominee. Yeah. And, um, that he, Bernie Sanders wasn't mad. And Bernie asked Donna what he thought Hillary's chances were of winning. And she says that if she looked at the polls, they, they were unanimously for Hillary Clinton. But Donna says she told Bernie she doesn't believe that she would win because of the lack of enthusiasm that she sees for Hillary on the ground wherever they went, which is very telling when you look at the number of votes Clinton actually received in the in well, with the popular vote um, it doesn't match anything from what we saw from the campaign trail I mean she was lucky to get hundreds maybe thousands of people at, at one of her rallies when she had celebrities there but she could get, not get any if you remember, I mean those her rallies were so small and I guess we're going off a, off a different road well, here. It doesn't matter. Well, but, but it, 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 it doesn't. Well, it, it matters in this way, and I think that that if if people are plugged into various internet sources, open sources, and 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 Joe, places like 4chan, um, Reddit, and other forums, and, and now you have to take a lot with a grain of salt. But I saw some postings today. Some anonymous postings that made me think a little bit. Whoever, there, there was one post on 4chan, and I'm not going to link to it. I'm not going to really give that, I'm not going to identify it. Well, all the posters really are anonymous, but I'm not going to really, um, provide any, uh, links to it in the program description. 
because I can't verify it. But it, uh, when I looked at it, I think it had like 140 points of, um, 140 different talking points or, or issues. And it was written with somebody, written by somebody with knowledge of the political system and also the intelligence community. And it, it in fact, I've, I've, I've got the notes in my office. Um, uh, and, and I went through it and there, there were two entries, two references made to Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin being uh, indicted or, or not indicted, a, uh, um, subjected to the, in the uh, special counsel, in, well, indictment, I suppose. Now, that kind of made me want to toss that, being all of the information out away. But I, I the other, inf- because I don't believe, uh, we, we're going to see a Hillary Clinton indictment. I really don't. At least not in the, in, in the short term. But uh, any, any thoughts on, the potential for that, Joe, in your no. in your your review? No, no. Um, I don't see. Like I said, the best chance it depends <clears throat> on exactly what what was done. Now, the articles all point to the fact that Hillary Clinton took over the DNC in 2015, a year before the nomination was given to her, and that she controlled so much of. Everything, all of its operations from the personnel, uh, who, who work there to the whole, they have a whole list in this article here about what it is exactly that she controlled. But uh, wait a that, second, don't, don't forget, she was caught red-handed giving Hillary Clinton the mm-hmm. questions for debate. Yeah. So, and they're saying, can we even trust her? That's a good question. They're saying here that Joe Biden did not even, uh, run because he knew that he would be running not only against Clinton and Bernie Sanders, but also that he would be fighting against the entire apparatus of his own party. So he decided not to run. It also says that um, a formal agreement signed by the DNC and the Clinton campaign was executed in August 2015, two months before Biden made his decision. The agreement, according to Brazil, specified that in exchange for raising money and investing in the DNC, Hillary would control the party's finances, strategy, and all the money raised. Her campaign had the right of refusal of who would be the party communications director. Right. And it would make final decisions on all the other staff. The DNC was also required to consult the Clinton campaign about all other staffing, budgeting, data, analytics, and mailings. Okay. So it says they signed an agreement. So maybe it is illegal. Right. But look back. Obama himself left the Democratic National Committee $24 million in debt mm-hmm. because he was not giving money, uh, giving the party money, uh, that, uh, which was donated to the party. He was keeping it. Hillary Clinton, as you had said, was doing the same thing. And she was getting all of these donations a year before her actual nomination. Yeah, she was getting the all the DNC money. Right. So Bernie, there you go, is locked now out of the DNC money. Right. It's all going to Hillary Clinton and her campaign. So she pretty much has a monopoly on the party that's supposed to be delegating the, you know, uh, these uh, these two nominees uh, to the final nomination. Not handing one of the nominees total control of the party mechanisms 
and the the DNC and letting that campaign determine all the decisions from staffing to everything else. I mean, it's absolutely okay. Now, now this re- this reminds me of, of when we used to ride together uh-huh. uh, doing investigations. Okay, I, I think I think your your focus is on the wrong. Well, no, I mean, is, is, for her is, to take control of the whole party, right, and all that it, that entails from the, right. the, the the budgeting, how their mailings go out to, who it goes out to, the staff, who's who is staff, and you have that the Clinton campaign controlling the DNC, and you have Bernie, who's supposed to be, in, you have the DNC that's supposed to be up on the top, and you have the two candidates here. The DNC is supposed to, you know, help the primary process along by promoting, uh, you know, one candidate to the nominee based on the votes. Okay. The whole thing was rigged okay. against Bernie Sanders right. from the beginning, and not only that, but Hillary Clinton had a deal to do be the one doing the rigging. Okay, now now pull back a little bit, pull that lens back a little bit, because you're focused correctly, but I'm not sure if that's the issue. Because right now, what we're seeing this Donna Brazil do, and, and the reason we're spending so much time on this, is I do believe, and feel free to say no, I believe that she's engaged in some sort of damage control for herself. And if that's the case, why? Yeah, All possibly. Right? I, I saw that that uh, argument made today, and uh, she feels the, the ship is sinking, and she wants to be thrown a life jacket. Right. But I so, see it so more that, as book profiting, but 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 book profiting. Uh, yeah. I mean, what compelled I, her to tell the truth? I well, guess well, that's, the, the that's one hell of a thing to to uh, to, to put in a book um, when you were actually really throwing Obama. Clinton and W. Wasserman Schultz under the bus and essentially admitting to fraud, financial fraud, not that she did, but she's uh, accusing the system, the Democratic National Committee, specifically Hillary Clinton, of misappropriation of funds as well as Obama, as well as W. Wasserman Schultz. So for profit, I'm, I, you know, I'm thinking there's something in the background here that we're not seeing right now, whether it's, and, and I don't trust, by the way, I do not trust Robert Mueller. I don't believe that he's on our side for one minute. I don't believe that, that any of those uh, swamp creatures, the swamp critters are on our side. But I'm wondering, but, but, but this is kind of a wild card to me. I'm, I'm looking at this and thinking, wait a minute, why is she doing this now? And you said for book, book sales. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I could write a book and and make some salacious accusations that could be very true. However, uh, you know, there's always going to be blowback. I, and that blowback, in my view, is going to be pretty, would be pretty significant, especially from the the Clinton and Obama mechanism there, uh, in in my view. as Now, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's something. There's something about this we need to keep a very close eye on. I believe. So that's just my my, my view. I think there's something propelling this. I think that. I think that uh, it, it has nothing to do with Mueller necessarily, but it, it could be on, on the outskirts or tangentially uh, related to the uh, uh, to, to the Mueller investigation of the DNC, or maybe the maybe the Department of Justice investigation into the emails, because she still maintains that the Ru- that Russia hacked the emails. Oh yeah, and there's you so. know there's an interesting article about that today, um, about the possibility of Russia. Uh, who was looking at Russia to? Oh, I gotta find it here. It was a, it was a good story about the emails and that there might be uh, attempted prosecutions going after Russian government officials or it was 
I know the one of the committees in the House or Senate Intelligence Committee verified or solidified saying that, yes, the Russians hacked the DNC, and that's how they got the emails. So according which, which to the Congress or the Senate, right? Absolutely, it's a lie. So, but I'll have to find that other okay. interesting article. But um, we have, you know, this. The did you see the story about Hannity uh, talking about how one of Mueller's buddies and Comey's buddies took a plea deal in the Uranium One scandal? Yes. Okay. And, and I was going to ask uh, Peter about that. Maybe he. Andrew Weissman, former well, head of the fraud unit at Obama Holder Justice Department. Right. He, he's the one behind the plea deal. Signed a plea agreement of the Russian businessman embroiled in the Clinton Uranium One case. Right. He, he okay. was the prosecutor. And, and when you look, and, and by the way, Weissman is the, just so everyone is clear, because what's taking place right now is, is a, is a coup. And I think that there's there's a, there's a push by the globalists and, and by the Obama holdouts and by the uh, Clinton uh, uh, holdouts with all throughout the government, and then there's a push back, or a push and a pushback by those people I mentioned. Uh, when Manafort, when his home was raided during the summer, the the front door lock it was picked. They they quietly went upstairs. Uh, they busted open the bedroom door. Uh, Paul Manafort and his wife were in bed. The um, uh, the SWAT members actually uh, frisked, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, Mrs. Manafort while still in bed uh, to make sure she had no weapons on her. Now, now, if you look at Weissman, that's Weissman all the way. That's that's his signature, if you will, in my view. That's his, that, that's Weissman's MO. Because he, he does work with the, uh, uh, he, he, as a U.S. attorney, uh, he, he previous, um, he's done a lot of drug cases, and, and that's his big MO. Now, why do I mention that in, in, the, in this context? Because, well, you, you had brought up Andrew Weissman and the backroom dealings, the, uh, kind of, well, you know, we'll, 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 we'll go ahead and give you some immunity of sorts or uh, we won't go after you for this if you flip. And, and this is where this is headed because the ultimate prize here is to take down Donald Trump. I've said, I said this in my morning program. And, and when you start looking at all the, all the intricate moving parts of, of this mechanism, this Leviathan, Man, I'll tell you, um, it's clear to me that that things are gonna gonna things are gonna unravel pretty quickly. And speaking of unraveling, uh, I did speak about this morning about the fourth of November, which is Saturday. Uh, the information that we've got, and I and I have to start reporting on this in writing. But the the reports that that I've gotten is that will start the 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 actual. Um, what would you call it, uh, Joe? The um, I don't want to call them protests. I don't even want to call them riots. I, I want to I want to call this something much bigger than that. And it's it's the takedown, attempted takedown of of our government from not just from the Mueller camp and and the special counsel, but but they're working in concurrent with the street urchins that are out there attempting to cause disruptions and riots and chaos. Thoughts on that? I mean. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you, you, really? you, you've been downplaying this. 
You've, you've been oh, yeah. I mean, is it, this. Uh, okay, there's an interesting piece on, on Drudge today from Market Watch that talks about uh, 50% of millennials would rather live in socialist communist countries. So this article details uh, a number of interesting things, and it says, according to the latest survey of the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation, a D.C.-based nonprofit, one in two U.S. millennials say they would rather live in a socialist or communist country than a capitalist democracy. So well, it, okay, and, and I think I think I that think speaks to what you're talking about, right? About wanting to overthrow the form of government that we have and replace it with what they believe is a more fair system of government. Obviously, these people have no idea what they're talking about. But right, what my my big thing is: do they have the support? Of the American people, even ten percent of the American people behind them, I say absolutely well, not. Well, no, but but as Ed Klein reported in the book that was just published on the thirtieth of October, these people that that we are that we will see riding up, just use that term, riding in the streets, the, starting on November fourth, it's not going. This won't be a one day event. This well, is no. this is going to be kicked off on, on the fourth of November, and it's going to be it's going to be going forward from that point. But but here's the, the issue. Over in Europe, you have a lot of the Antifa members training with ISIS. Here in America, you've got that same uh, overlap. In fact, members of, of a San Francisco group, members of, of an Austin, Texas group, have been training with the Islamic terrorists. And, and just, the FBI knows this. Where you just said uh, Austin and San Francisco, uh, I think that if you see any real violence on the 4th of November, it'll be in Seattle and in Portland. Maybe well, Atlanta uh, a little bit, I but I don't, those. I don't think Atlanta. And, and then if you have San Francisco, you have a, you have one in LA. I don't think you'll see too much violence in LA, but definitely it's going to be more than a one day event in Seattle and in Portland, Seattle, Washington and Portland, Oregon. I'm not sure you have to worry about more than a one day event anywhere else. Um, those seem to be the, the biggest hotbeds of the Antifa people. I agree that the Pacific Northwest, because you have the sit back and allow things to happen type of governance in Portland, in Seattle, in the Pacific Northwest, you've got that that communal mind, that collective mind in government, city government. Uh, so I agree with you on that. But I, I think, I think as that progresses, do you not believe that that perhaps? The various other groups, maybe in Miami or elsewhere, might look at what's taking place in the Pacific Northwest or wherever. Possibly, things. absolutely, it's a it's a possibility. Is it in my mind? Is that probable? I don't think so. Um, hmm. We're we're going to be watching this very co- closely because I I do believe that because what we see with these other Antifa things, not to interrupt you, but no, we see fine. you know organizations that bust these people into one specific event like we saw Charlottesville they're busting in the Antifa people you know you can bust them into the Washington DC for the inauguration but are you going to have that kind of organic support in each city without them being busted in you know to one specific location oh yeah I, I, point well taken I, but I don't think you can compare this now this is just my view I don't think you can compare what we're about to see on the 4th with previous events Antifa-related events or protests. I, I think that they've refined. They, they've been in the planning stages now uh, for well over six, eight months, with respect to this particular day. And or, they should and, have started on Friday, on the third. Well, yeah. I mean, what are they thinking to start it on a Saturday? And, and they in must November, really hope no less. They must really 
believe that there's going to be a lot of people to show up if they're starting it on a Saturday. Well, uh, there's there's a lot of the infrastructure for these this event um, is is pretty sophisticated. I would not underestimate or understate the possibility for um, violence, for property destruction, for actual violence, and and according to the information I've been getting, and this is directly from people who have who have been there in, in these meetings. They want to take this to the suburbs. They want to do home invasions. They want to do uh, a business, uh, destroy businesses, uh, whatever it will take to instill fear in the people. Now, is that all bluster? You know, the tactics that they're being trained in by, in some cases, by the Muslim terrorists, uh, uh, you know, are, are pretty consistent with the, with those objectives. So we're gonna we're gonna keep an eye on this, and in fact, we're gonna keep a close eye. And I played this morning on my on my radio show. I talked about this back in February. Yeah, and I'll tell you what: if we get to Saturday and we see, you know, even a half a dozen cities having sustained protests that turn into the riots and violence, and if we wake up Sunday morning. And they're still going. We can do a show on Sunday. In fact, we will if that does happen. You can count on that, because I, I think, again, I think that this is what we're seeing here is a linchpin of uh, what we can expect to see. And nothing happens in a vacuum. This is not happening in a vacuum. Think about the, think about the timing as it relates to the special counsel, the indictments, um, how it relates to the. Uh, uh, the the other other events taking place and and who's to say by the way and, well I've got some, I've got some other thoughts too especially related to Las Vegas which has been now been over a month and it seems like they they might be uh, thinking about talking about a motive uh, on that really who's talking about a motive the sheriff said that uh, had made an offhanded comment that suggests that they they are they might be releasing some information relative to a motive. Okay. Is that true? I mean, that's it, it, true, but is that, you know, is that going to be, um, legitimate? I don't know. Folks, remember right back. You're listening to the Hagman Report. Uh, wow. Stay with us. Three minutes, network break. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. 
Kirkus Review states, readers of end times fiction will be hard pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Thursday edition of the Hagman Report. Don't forget, this weekend is the weekend we set our clocks back one hour, giving you the indication that winter is right around the corner. We have a few moments before we... What are, happens to that hour? It is uh, uh, saved in know. a time bank until we set the clock forward. And then it all evens out. Alright. Or it takes the one out of the time bank from when we set the clocks forward earlier this year. So it's gonna, it's gonna be light. Just help me out with this. It's gonna be lighter in the morning then. Yeah, it's gonna get darker right. earlier. Well, in about a month I, I it'll be dark at like four thirty, five o'clock. Alright. Because when I, I, I have a, I get up very, very early and, uh, I'm getting really tired of, you know, it being dark at six thirty in the morning. Well, just, it, it will be light for, yeah, for, a little while now, at least right. in the morning. Well, that's good to Until know. Until the days get so short that it's only light for eight hours a day, then, then yeah. And, and now for the weather. <laughs> no, no, I just, uh. Go ahead. You'll hear it tomorrow, I'm sure, from everywhere to set the clocks back this weekend, but I just had to look for myself to see that it was this weekend. Anyway, uh, Peter Chalk is going to be joining us in just a moment. A few updates from Las Vegas. The, these articles are on Drudge One. The brother of Stephen Paddock, Bruce Paddock, was busted because apparently he already had a warrant out for his arrest in a child pornography case. But what tipped the authorities to uh, him 
was his brother Bruce bragging to folks at an assisted living facility where he was staying that he was Stephen's brother the day right. after the attack. The One of the staff members called the LAPD cops, assuming they would be interested to speak with Bruce. The, uh, the cops turned it over to the FBI. The FBI found the active warrant and picked him up. That's how they found him. Also, the sheriff made a statement talking about that he believes the girlfriend of Stephen Paddock may have something more to hide and also that she could have prevented the attack. He made the that, is true, I believe. He made the, the statement saying that he believes there is something off in which how Paddock amassed his arsenal of weapons and that Mary Lou Danley could have been able to point uh, authorities in the right direction before this happened. I guarantee you, if there's- I, I, I stand by my original statement, you're going to see an, an Islamic, a Muslim component to this. You're also going to see an anarchist, leftist, progressive component to this, as well as the fingerprints and footprints or the DNA of a proprietary operation. That, that means, to, I mean to say, like a black budget, uh, off the books operation similar to Fast and Furious, or even go one step further to, to MENA. Arkansas or to, you know, in that caliber of events. I uh, take that to the bank. As I sit here, I'm going to tell you that's true. And also the, uh, the last one. Why has the Las Vegas massacre disappeared from the news cycle? That's an article by Zero Hedge today. It's a really good read. I think everybody should read it. It gives some insight as to why the media focuses on certain things <clears throat> with so much coverage and focus yet. With the Las Vegas, it doesn't do any of the basic journalistic uh, things that you're supposed to do when reporting, such as finding out basic facts, asking questions, digging to get the answers to the as to why the crime happened. We saw the media just completely ignore this, let it go, and leave it alone, not to be heard about since. And this article gets into why that is. With us now is Peter Barry Chowka. He he's a, a great investigative journalist, and his latest piece is up on Hagman Report, Fox News Rising, and the best of the mainstream media's New York City terrorist attack coverage. Peter, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Joe. It's great to be with you guys again. Hey, you're, you're home, Peter. Thank goodness. Uh, I'm glad to see you're back in your, your, your own digs there. The glad familiar you, environment, yes. Glad you made it home safely. Thank you. Uh, P- Peter, uh, your, your articles are hard-hitting, always 100% on the mark. And uh, take another victory lap. I think it's so great that President Donald Trump actually retweeted essentially the article that was posted on Hagman Report from Sean Hannity. And you wrote that article, and there it is. I mean, congratulations. Right, it, was one, it was one week ago today. I was surprised to see that had not only had Sean Hannity retweeted my article or my, my tweet pointing to my article at the Hagman Report a week ago today, but then... Uh, President Donald Trump retweeted it in his official Twitter feed that has 41 million followers. And out of curiosity, I checked earlier today, and uh, that tweet of his is still there on his official tweet Twitter page. You have to scroll down quite a bit because he's had a lot of tweets since then in the past week. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a great feeling, uh, really, really wonderful feeling to be tweeted by the president, and in particular, this president. There you go. And of all people, you deserve it. You've been working extremely hard. You've, and, and I know you. Um, and folks, uh, you know, when Peter writes an article, it's not 
I mean, he puts his whole heart and soul into it, and he double checks and checks, double checks and rechecks citations, and uh, I mean, it's always 100% accurate. And I'm very, I'm very glad to know a man of this caliber. But um, now that that said, let's talk. Well, you have the floor. Uh, open it up where you'd like to at this point. Okay. Well, this was uh, the week that was in terms of big breaking news. It started last Friday, really, with the leak from Mueller's office, Special Counsel Mueller, that uh, come Monday, uh, October 30th, there would likely be one or more indictments as part of his investigation of the alleged Russia collusion with the Trump campaign. And so that was uh, the buzz all weekend. And then Monday morning, uh, the indictments were announced, Paul Manafort and Rick Gates, who were associated for a time with uh, the Trump campaign. And also we found out that uh, George Papadopoulos, another minor figure in the Trump campaign uh, around the spring of last year, uh, had pleaded guilty in July to lying to the FBI. And uh, at that point, Monday, uh, the mainstream media were off and running with the story uh, very little else was covered for the next uh, about 30 hours or so. And, um, of course, 30 hours later, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday, we had the breaking news of the latest Islamic terrorist attack in New York City by a, a truck uh, driven by an Islamist. And, of course, that resulted in eight people losing their lives, and I think 12 or so seriously injured, some of them critically, about half of them still hospitalized. So then that became uh, the lead story for the next day or so, although that story really exposed, as did the coverage by the mainstream media of the Mueller indictments the day before, it exposed the mainstream media's uh, fakery. Uh, you know, we've had, we had um, Jake Tapper, Praising Alua Akbar, which the Islamist terrorist shouted after his murderous acts, and we had uh, fawning coverage over the fact again that this has nothing to do with Islam, etc., etc. And uh, a corollary to all this, which I've been reporting on, and which my article today at the Hagman Report touches on. And by the way, I just updated that article to include uh, some tweaks and some current links. So that article at the Hagman Report links to the transcripts of Sean Hannity's programs on Fox News this week and also on the videos of the primetime shows, well, Hannity and Laura Ingram. But the corollary is that on Monday of this week, Fox News uh, finally put into Effect its brand new fall schedule, its complete schedule, with Tucker Carlson at eight, Sean Hannity at nine, and Laura Ingram premiering on Monday at 10 p.m. with a new live news show by Shannon Bream at 11 p.m. So we had Fox News putting its best foot forward in its fair and balanced but yet conservative friendly way in a week when this was really needed. And I think anyone who puts down Fox News and says, you know, they're part of the cabal or the mainstream media. Well, of course, they are mainstream media, but, you know, 
mainstream fake media should really take a close look at the transcripts of what Sean Hannity did on his programs Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week and what he is promising to do tonight as well. I mean, his lineup tonight, which he described on his radio show, it's going to be another blockbuster, but uh, really, this week is, is more proof, as if we need any, that Fox News is the last reasonable, fair and balanced, accurate journalistic entity left standing in the mainstream. Doesn't mean it's perfect. They have room for a lot of left-wing people. And, but we're talking about, I'm talking about prime time here, 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern time, and really much of the day. The news shows are great. Brett Baer shows fantastic. Uh, Fox and Friends in the Morning is, is an excellent show. So there's some exceptions like Shepard Smith and the program The Five, but I, I don't even pay attention to those shows. But for me, uh, the evening programs are appointment viewing, and they have really spoken the truth this week. I mean, it just... You, the Hagman Report has linked to a number of things that Sean Hannity has done this week, as we, and not associated with my writing, but it's just, uh, we are now deriving from Fox News, especially in prime time, and these hosts who we know are principled conservatives, we are deriving, uh, some leads in, into stories that we can then pursue in more detail online through our other sources. And I think we're going to get the latest example of that tonight when Greg Jarrett is scheduled to uh, get more into detail, as you mentioned, Doug, about his findings that uh, uh, Deputy Attorney General Ron Rosenstein and Mueller's right-hand man, Andrew Weissman, uh, signed the plea agreement with a Russian businessman embroiled in the Clinton Uranium One case. This is being reported at the moment by the Gateway Pundit in a preview Hannity has promised this update in his TikTok fashion, as he calls it, on his Twitter. And he also mentioned it on his radio show today, which, which by the way, I happened to listen to his entire three-hour radio show today, which is also uh, fantastic listening. And I, I just wanted to point out there that in his last half hour, he had uh, on Philip Haney, the former Department of Homeland Security whistleblower, who I know... Uh, was on the Hagman Report in his first appearance. Right. I'm not sure he was on after that, but on July 14th. Yep. And and his appearance on Hannity today in the 14-minute segment was absolutely mind-boggling. Hannity just let him say his piece. There was another guest on as well whose name I didn't get, but uh, it was dynamite, and I'm going to look for that podcast and post a little article about it with a link to that podcast on the Hagman Report uh, later today or early tomorrow so that people can hopefully check out that last half hour of Sean Hannity's radio show today because it was absolutely uh, brilliant. And I, I was getting chills listening to it, the clarity of the description of how the corruption that that really intensified under the Obama regime uh, that corrupted everything in terms of uh, the war against ISIS and Islamic terror and corrupted Justice Department, how this has filtered down into the New York Police Department, and it's why we see the ridiculous statements coming out of New York, Governor Cuomo and Bill de Blasio. I mean, these people are an absolute joke. I mean, they've got blood on their hands, in my opinion. And Haney had the experience and the ability to clarify this today on Sean Hannity's show, and it was absolutely riveting. So... 
you know, I, I don't, I'm not a shill for Fox News or Sean Hannity or anybody else, but, uh, again, we have no other alternative at this point. When you look at CNN or MSNBC, it, it's just absolutely sickening. I mean, you just wind up screaming at the TV because of the unending law and falsifications that, which are now resulting in Americans again, getting killed, innocent Americans getting killed because of these lies that are being pushed down the throat uh, by the mainstream media, with the exception most of the time of Fox News. Yeah, and, and Peter, I see uh, Sean Hannity, and, and tell me if you agree with me on this, I see uh, Sean Hannity taking some risks, some chances, uh, given the environment in which he operates, uh, professional risks, professional uh, uh, chances. Uh, do you think, for example, um, being in the forefront of the Uranium One story, despite the you know narrative to the contrary, uh, and knowing that he's getting a lot of flack for that, and, bring, and even with uh, on the radio with uh, Phil Haney, um, if if we lose Sean Hannity, I, I have a feeling that the entire system, the conservative system in the corporate media, would just would be non-existent. He is, he is, in my opinion, Sean Hannity is the linchpin of the Fox News primetime schedule. And he's, he's right on the edge. He's working right on the edge now. And the enemies are out there, well-funded, trying to bring him down. Media Matters of America, uh, attempted sponsor boycotts, and that's what brought down Bill O'Reilly. And, and in fact, just over a week ago, Bill O'Reilly was neutralized in terms of anything he might try to do now with the latest allegations uh, about him published in the New York Times and that looks like it's finished him off. There was a report that he was in talks with um, uh, Tribune Sinclair, I believe and now they have said that they're not interested in him because he's just too hot to handle. That could easily happen to Sean Hannity, but he is a risk taker. In fact, uh, I'll mention here that uh, he's been mentioning and it's gotten some publicity that he executive produced, meaning that he funded a uh, an independent theatrical motion picture which opened last Friday called Let There Be a Light. Mm-hmm. And uh, he sent me a copy of it uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't have a chance to watch it until last evening. So I watched the entire film and read a bunch of reviews of it that have occurred like in Variety, the Trade Press, and in a few newspapers. And uh, they actually reviewed it more positively than I would have expected. But, uh, you know, I was kind of prepared maybe to be skeptical of it or maybe to dislike it a little bit. But I was very, very impressed with the film. It had only a $3 million budget, which uh, Kevin Sorbo, who is the star and the director of it, and he and his wife are really the people behind it. His wife, Sam, co-wrote it. She's also in the film. She co-wrote it with a, a, a screenwriter. And it, it, it's a Christian-themed film. It's about uh, a man played by Kevin Sorbo, who is kind of the uh, world-class leading author promoting atheism, who whose recent hot book was titled Aborting God. So we see this decrepit character, Kevin Sorbo, whose life is a mess, and uh, he, he's preaching atheism, and he's getting approval of the venues where he's speaking and debating Christians. And then he has a near-death experience, 
And during that experience, for four minutes when he's clinically dead, he uh, encounters his nine-year-old deceased son who died shortly before of cancer. And this completely shakes up his, his life, but it takes him a while in the film to come to grips with what has happened to him. And he consults with uh, a minister who's his uh, divorced wife's minister. And uh, I, I won't spoil the rest of the plot, but there's some really interesting plot turns and surprising developments. And Sean has described it as uh, on his show where he's promoted it, saying, uh, have some Kleenex handy <laughs> when you watch this film. And I, I have to say, it, it was a very, very moving and emotional film. And not only that, it, uh, it, it stayed with me. You know, w- when you watch a good classic film, I think there are very few of them today in my opinion, but I'm a great fan of classic film and TV. And when you watch one of the great films of the past, it, it's something that you keep thinking about for days afterwards, like, like reading a classic book or listening to a fine piece of music, you know, it, it really touches you and informs you and changes you. And I think this film has a lot of that potential. And moreover, it needs to be celebrated by a virtue of the fact that it's coming at a time when Hollywood is is collapsing in into the sewer. And and this film this year stands as a complete counter to that uh, that madness and so I think it really deserves support and it, a, a bit of good news is it opened last Friday in just over 300 theaters nationwide which is a very small opening uh, the average major film will open in two or three thousand theaters however it did so well uh, in each theater where it was playing that uh, according to Hannity and his website it is doubling the number of theaters it will be in this coming weekend to over 600 or close to 700. And that's very unusual. Uh, Unless it's a really major blockbuster film, it's usually the first weekend that is the biggest and the most widespread distribution of a modern Hollywood motion picture. So Hannity took a risk with that by bankrolling it to the tune of $3 million, I guess. And um, he's going to do all right. But, um, you know, I mentioned before... In some extent in my articles, but also when we've gotten together that I've gotten to know Sean personally. Uh, I've never met him in person, but I've had a lot of contact with him since he reached out to me in June. And, uh, you know, I can only sing his praises. He, everything he has indicated to me in an uncountable number of emails and a number of phone conversations is that he is a very principled Christian man who, uh, you know, when he says he's your friend, he means it. And he helps you out in that way. And I say, God bless him. You know, I'm really glad that he's there. You know, with, with Sean Hannity, what you see is what you get. And he's one of the few men that I believe that, uh, are truly men that, uh, uh, by definition, um, by biblical definition, a, a man, uh, taking care of business. And, and you know, it, it, it I'm so glad that we've got him. Um, we've got him in our corner in the media, in that in that in that swamp, that ugliness itself that that is the media. I'm glad we've got him there uh, as as well, and and I'm glad that that you and he are are such where there's a, a great relationship there, and I think that'll continue. And I'm telling you, you're, you're going to be on a show here in another three months. Uh, 
trust me on that. But uh, uh, well, I don't know if I want to go that high. Uh, <laughs> as they say, the higher in the tree you climb, the clearer the target you are. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I, I'd like to mention this briefly, Doug, because when I was last on on Monday, uh, I was just off uh, visiting, coming in from visiting the flight deck of the USS Midway, the living museum there in San Diego Harbor. And I was so emotionally moved by that that I think I lost it a couple of times during our conversation. But, you know, since then, I I, I wanted to mention this. Uh, A man named Derek Green posted a comment uh, at the YouTube version of that Complete Monday show, and he thanked me for mentioning the Midway because he said he served on it. Mm-hmm. as a member of the U.S. Navy from 1988 to 1991. So if he's watching or listening, I'd like to say thank you, Derek, for your service. And I just wanted to highlight uh, what that living museum meant to me and what it opened up in a broader sphere as, as I was so moved by visiting this enormous aircraft carrier, which Derek described it as the tip of the sword during the 47 years that it was in service from 1946 when it was commissioned until 1992 when it was retired and it's been in San Diego Harbor as an exhibit, a living museum for the past uh, 20 or 25 years. And just uh, to see that ship, to visit it, to walk the corridors where the men slept, to see their quarters, to visit the bridge. Uh, we had to climb. There's a special tour that goes up to the bridge where the captain sat and directed the operations of the ship. Uh, you had to climb these very narrow, steep ladders, four or five levels to get up there. And it wasn't easy, but I'm so glad that we did that. And, uh, I mean, I could speak for an hour just about what the tour of that ship was like and what it meant to me. But in the broader picture, what it reminded me of is that our country has such a rich History, And this is one example, this living museum. And I wanted to recommend to listen, listeners and viewers that wherever you are in communities small and large, prob- probably essentially the smaller the better, there are local uh, museums of local history. And I realized this when I was doing a solo drive around uh, the western states in 2006 for a month. And I was staying off the interstates and just visiting small towns and uh, getting reconnected with America again. And every place I went, I I found, since you could go online and research every place you're going to visit, that there were local museums or exhibits or veteran cemeteries. And I tried to visit a number of those just to get back in touch with the history of those places and the pioneering spirit of the uh, the early American citizens, uh, the, the settlers who, who who turned these places into the United States of America. And, and that I was reminded in visiting the USS Midway, which is steeped in that kind of, of history. It's like a, a shrine to the history of America, as are these other museums all around the country, you know, battlefields, statues, you name it. And I, I think we really have to get back in touch with that. And I thought that, you know, in the last eight or ten years since the rise of Barack Hussein Obama, I've spent virtually every waking moment, it seems at times, trying to figure out what's this guy doing, planning, what what are he and his associates cooking up for us? You know you know the work, the level of involvement that takes. So as a result, I have put aside traveling, reading history, uh, you know, listening to serious music in order to understand what that criminal, in my opinion, was doing to us. And uh, But, you know, it, it's time to rebalance, if we can, 
And, and that one or two days that I spent on the USS Midway really was a jump start to my, the feeling I've had since I was a child that this country is so special. Amen. And we really uh, have to stay in touch with that and get back in touch with it. You, you know, that, that's the only, that's the only way that Antifa and the Democrat socialists and these other communists in, in the media have brainwashed us, have destroyed education for the youth so yep. that they don't even realize we have a history. And now we see in real time the Maoist impulse, the cultural revolution of literally physically destroying our history in real time. So the you know, statues. Really- it, it, that, 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 you know, Peter, in my mind, I, I can't get the image of the statue um, being lifted by the crane. And I'm thinking, there's our history. No respect for American history. No respect for our past. I, I'm sorry, Peter. We're, we're at the at the end of uh, end of the segment. I didn't mean to overtalk you. It's okay. Great uh, to be with you once again. And as always, God bless you guys. God, God bless, bless you. you. And, Thanks, and Peter. Uh, uh, follow Peter Chauka at P Chauka on Twitter. Uh, watch Hagman Report for his latest. Uh, really, send him an email too. Uh, let's support Peter Chauka because he's doing a lot. Of good for and pr- prayers are always appreciated as well. You got you got that right too. All right, Peter. We'll be right back. Thank you, sir. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is? It's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, you need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water. But a thing, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, 6 AA batteries off the grid. When other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night, go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash... 
trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified, accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. edition thursday edition of the hagman report we are going to be joined this hour by stephanie sledge she is the founder and creator of the government rag.com and that's an interesting website um again folks go to the government rag.com there it's, it's an educational alternative news source there you can see the latest on her articles and all the stuff that is up there. There's a, I haven't dug through the site yet, but there's a lot of site options in the, in the top right corner there. And you can go through and we'll be talking with her just momentarily. You, you know, I've been, I've been keeping her, that site a secret from you guys. Okay. Seriously, I, 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 I go to that site often, but I don't, I, shh, I don't tell where. I, I shouldn't do that. I should share my, my open source and, uh, sources with you. You know, one thing about the New York City attack, I did, and, and tell me if if I'm, tell me if I'm looking at this wrong. The the eight victims that were killed, um, the, does it say anything that, that I think six of the eight were five of the eight were five teenagers were, from an Argentinian high school, okay, or it, college, it, maybe um, but, they but were there four na- there were four nationals. I, I mean, not that, not not that that. I'm not saying that for any other reason than, my goodness, um, you're talking about Lower Manhattan, and you had you, you had right Argentinians, um, but they were all essentially foreign nationals, or most of them were. Mm-hmm. Not, not that again, not that that makes. Any, well, you're in New York City. Well, right, but, um, the, you know. I, I guess we used to walk around that city for hours without talking to anybody who spoke English. Right, and, and I, that, I mean, it surprised me when when I was there to see a, a an ad for a billboard for McDonald's in Chinese. All right, um, in, in walking in yeah, yeah walking we were in through China, Chinatown, yeah. uh, walking through uh, you know the where the Koreans are and other the, the spicy chicken on a stick. Yes, I gave you that, and yeah. uh, I didn't tell you it was hot. And boy, I'll tell yeah, you what, man, that was something else. He, he actually looked like <laughs> climbed out the window. Of the of the vehicle that we were in, the get. I mean, it was. Just, I remember this. We were in Queens. Yep. Um, what was it? Uh, it was right. I remember the street. I can't think of it right now. It was, I know what yeah, apartment I know, building. I know, I know yep. a person. Yep. The rice. Remember all the guys. Uh, in the I rice? Yep. In, the, in their uh, underwear. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, no. In no their one underwear. Did. Five yeah, guys yeah. eating rice. Answer the door in whitey tighties. It was pretty funny. Tidy whiteys. Uh, and and a pile of of. Fake passport. Well, that's never mind. And it's funny. My dad asked the guy to see his cell phone, and the guy gave him the cell phone, and it's all in Chinese. So. Yeah, and I never, I've never <laughs> seen that before. I, I guess what would you expect, right? But anyway, they sold this delicious chicken on a stick, and it was so hot. Uh, it was. I mean, it was. Well, well, they, it they was, had the. They they had the. And 
Do you really want me to tell you that wasn't chicken? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we yeah. have our guest with us, Stephanie Sledge. The website is thegovernmentrag.com, and it's a it's a great site. Go there, check it out. Check out some of the articles that are up there under the featured articles section. Stephanie, welcome to the Hagman Report. Oh, thank you very much. Um, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, it's it's a pleasure to have you. You've got a, a terrific website. You've got uh, j- just a wonderful take on on so many issues. Um, if you don't mind, do you mind introducing yourself to our audience and, and telling a little bit about yourself? Because, uh, well, just go ahead. All right. Well, uh, my name is Stephanie Sledge, and um, I'm the editor and creator of thegovernmentrag.com. And that is an educational alternative news media site. Um, we have uh, many contributing writers. My partner, uh, Jack Mullen, is also a, um, a, he writes tremendously for the government rag. Um, we also have a, a blog site called the government rag and intelligence briefing. Um, I've, I'm also an investigative journalist. Um, I investigated the 2011 Tucson shooting that happened. Um, with Jerry Lee Lofner, and I actually wrote a book about it. And um, so that's basically what I do is I help in the world of trying to uncover the truth and, and bring the truth to America. Um, I feel that it's we're in an emergency situation and that we have to uncover the truth and people need to wake up right now. I totally agree with you, and you have my admiration and respect for all that you've done and all that you're doing. Tell tell us a little bit about your book, because, well, just go ahead and tell us a little bit about the book that you wrote, and um, kind of give give us a, a thumbnail sketch of of your your findings or what that book is about. Um, well, <clears throat> I actually went to Tucson and investigated it. Um, as the story broke, um, I found that there was a lot of inconsistencies, and and this was back in 2011, so this was, you know, quite a while ago when people were, I mean, a lot of people, you know, they really believed what was really going on in the news, Fox News, ABC, and I began to discover that there were a lot of inconsistencies with the witnesses, and also a judge was murdered, Judge John Roll was murdered, who happened to be the Brady Bill judge. And for those that do not know about the Brady Bill, um, he was the judge that ruled during the Clinton administration that um, uh, they were trying to ban assault uh, weapons then, and he ruled that was unconstitutional. But during this event, um, he was assassinated. And um, so I actually went to Tucson and investigated um, for myself, and I wrote a book about my findings, and my conclusions were that Jerry Lochner was actually a patsy. Um, you know, there is real evidence that he existed, that he wasn't um, somebody that was actually made up or a crisis actor, that he really did exist in this world. Um, I found police reports, um, past records of him, and so... Um, he was used as a patsy during that event, and it was all about gun control, and it was all about immigration as well. And so I wrote a book about my findings. Um, you can order it on Hulu.com. It's called Apple Zebra 11, um, the Lofner cover-up, and it was all about Operation Safeway. 
if you don't mind, explain what that is, because I don't think too many people know what that is. And and, and I totally agree with I, I totally agree with you on this. We don't talk about this that much. It seems like we tend to forget hinge moments in history for the next hinge moment in history. And most assuredly, that uh, that shooting was was an indeed a, indeed a hinge moment in history. Um, the operation yeah. itself. Uh, tell us about that. It definitely was an operation, and my conclusions were that there was a, a lot of agenda that not only had to do with gun control, but also about medical and technology agenda. And um, NASA and the Navy were involved, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot of uh, evidence that supports uh, the the medical agenda that came out of that particular shooting. Um, allegedly six people were killed. Um, a total of, I believe, 18 people, 13 were shot, including Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords, um, former Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords. And um, since the shooting, she recovered, allegedly, and then now she's been, her and her husband, who she's married to Mark Kelly, who is a former astronaut, um, you know, whenever there's any type of events that happen, um, any type of shootings, whether it's the Las Vegas shooting, the Sandy Hook shooting, um, just various, you know, shootings, they're always there to push more gun control. And so, you know, the the agenda, in my opinion, it goes very, very deep. And, you know, I could probably spend, you know, several days talking about especially the medical agenda that came out of that event. And um, what that was was it was uh, a super soldier uh, technology that was sought during that event um, called suspended animation. And um, so that event not only um, sparked a huge gun control debate, but behind the scenes there was also a medical agenda taking place, the rise of um, more medical uh, mental health agenda, um, to get more people on a list that are going to be unable to own guns, including almost every veteran that comes back from war, and also um, the medical agenda of suspended animation. And and so there's quite a bit to that story. And so every time there is an event that goes on, um, whether it be the recent Las Vegas shooting or the Sandy Hook shooting, um, I'm always digging a little bit deeper behind the scenes to see what's really going on. And, you know, of course, during these events, you know, a, a lot of people cover, they're starting to become aware of what's really happening as far as um, gun control and a lot of other agenda. But, you know, while people are chattering about, um, I guess, what I would now call the mainstream uh you know, problems as far as gun control and stuff, I'm always digging deeper and finding that there is a bigger agenda, a huge agenda. Um, it's it's a hostile takeover of America that's happening right now. And and so I'm really involved in helping trying to uncover that. And, and I like to connect with people that, um, you know, are seeing with the veil off and are seeing the bigger picture. 
And that, that's why we, we asked you on because your work, I believe your research, your analysis is right on the money. Uh, I, we tend to look at the bigger picture and you know, it's, it's almost akin to saying, well, illegal immigration is just about getting democratic votes. So that's a very superficial, very superficial excuse. It's much exactly. deeper than that. So I use that as an analogy to what you're, what you're, what you're doing, um, and saying, because, and, and I do, and I've gone through your website, uh, I was joking around before, uh, that, that I use your, a lot of your, uh, research and information in my, uh, in, in my preparation, open source, uh, preparation. And, and you and I seem to have a lot of the same, I think ideas in, in, in our in conclusions, I, su- I suppose. Um, now, from, yes. you know, from, now from your book, okay, uh, and, and I do want to, in fact, we're going to put a link on our, our website or the website to, to your book. Um, I do highly recommend it because it's, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's almost 500 pages, if I recall, right? It's uh, exactly okay. Apple Zebra 11. And it's, for those watching on YouTube, it's pictured, the cover's pictured up there. Um, so we're going to put a link to the, uh, to the, where you can purchase the book. But if we can ask you this, uh, how, well, let's jump right into Las Vegas, if you don't mind. Um, because I, I see a lot of similarities, but I see a lot of refinements, if that makes sense, between the various events. Whether it's the 2011 shooting or, or Las Vegas, what are your thoughts on Las Vegas? Do you, do you care to share your findings to this point? Um, well, I have a lot of different thoughts. In fact, I'm still researching. You know, the bottom line. I, I mean, there's quite a bit. I wrote an article following uh, the shooting in Las Vegas, and I instantly I discovered the correlation between the Las Vegas shooting and. Whenever there's any type of shooting, I'm always looking at, you know, okay, what's going on and, um, you know, is there any type of legislation that's happening? And so the very first thing that I do is I start researching or going and, and seeing if there's any correlations in what's actually happening, um, you know, with any bills that are being passed. and. So following the shooting, I actually, um, right after the shooting, I actually had a conversation with my uh, partner, Jack Mullen, and we were discussing um, uh, a lot of the correlations. And I had told him that, you know, instantly I knew that this was going to have a huge impact on the hotel restaurant industry. And the reason why was because... Um, the hotel restaurant industry is an area that they have not quite grabbed yet as far as um, safety and security or more jobs and security. And also, um, so as I was researching, I also had found that at that particular time they were also passing, um, they were actually in the process of passing what is called the Hearing Protection Share Act and what that is was the um, gun control advocates and hunters were trying to um, get the legislation regulations um, lifted that have to do with gun silencers. And the reason why was it was to protect their hearing. And this is a, a the, the gun silencer has been um, suppressed for, for many, many, many years. And 
and it has one of the strictest regulations as far as um, gun control. And so um, naturally this event happened in a hotel, and of course um, following the shooting, I wrote an article, and you can find it on the government rag. It's on the front page, and it's called The Correlation Between the Las Vegas Shooting and the Hearing Protection Act. I read that today. And yeah, you, you wrote yeah. that on October 3rd, two days after the shooting. I, I did, and then um, Jack Mullen had also followed up with an article that put it all together as well, and it was called The Chertoff Connection, Las Vegas, The Chertoff Connection. And it is exactly, you know, as planned. I mean, not only do these events correspond with um, more tightening regulations and gun control, I call it the prison cell of America, but also... You know, there's investments in people, um, companies, and people that have great investments into the next move into security in this nation. And, of course, um, the hotel restaurant industry was definitely targeted. And, and so it's very important for people to understand that when there's a shooting, you have your average people who do not understand what's going on, your people that are asleep. And they regurgitate what the mainstream media has to say, you know, that, oh, it's a crazy gunman and, you know, he, you know, was able to load all these guns and take them into a hotel room and shoot all these people. But when you really study the picture, you know, they always correspond with something that's going on in, um, in, uh, legislation. And also, too, you know, I like to, tell people the truth about during the Obama administration is the simple fact that um, when Obama took, when his first uh, four years uh, as president, you know, he promised America that America would become the new service industry. And so how did he do that? Well, he built a huge prison state. And, and so we have more jobs than ever in um, the military industrial complex as far as uh, medical establishments um, and also in the prison system and safety and security. And so I, I wrote out what my vision is of the future of America as a result of the Las Vegas shooting. And, of course, you know, I, I believe that there definitely was crisis actors involved but they're also, you know, as far as the actual shooter, you know, there's speculation that he may have been, you know, a patsy or, or murdered ahead of time. Um, it's very, the story does not roll out in any direction in, you know, as far as the story itself yet. It has not come out on a playing field that's actually quite understandable. I do know that there are dead people that are, have already um, are at the forefront. We have witnesses that are already dead. We had one witness um, to the shooting that um, went home and killed his daughter and killed himself, and the mainstream media called it a murder-suicide pact, which is very bizarre and strange. Um, another couple just um, was in a, a, a car accident where um, their car caught on fire, a fiery crash, and they were murdered or killed, uh, and so there is a lot of people that's always behind the scenes, even though some of these events may be considered false flags or um, fake events or false flags as far as, you know, where there's crisis actors involved, 
behind the scenes, there, there always ends up to be dead people that nobody is talking about. And so it's kind of like a two-way street. The mainstream media is used to play out the storyline, you know, as far as what their agenda is. And then there are also people on the other side of the media who also push just the version of looking at, like, just a focused in micromanaging part of any false flag, like, let's focus on the crisis actors or let's focus on, um, you know, these things. But in reality, there's a big, big picture. And this is really what I consider to be terrorism. And because terrorism really is, when you terrorize a nation and to get what you want, you know, uh, for the agenda that is here to literally destroy America and have a hostile takeover of our lives and our country, then it definitely is, in my opinion, terrorism. Yeah, I I, I agree, and, and I'll give it to Joe here, but, but I, I think that we have to look at the larger picture in, in all of these events that we're seeing, regardless of how they may seem unrelated in nature, I, I think we have to look at each individual event as part of a larger or a piece of a larger puzzle, perhaps, and and see how they work together toward a, a single agenda. And, and, and you're right on that, Joe. I I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, I think Stephanie, you... I just wanted to ask you about Las Vegas. Um, why do you think it is that the media and others have stopped? pushing and pursuing for evidence. We weren't given any security camera footage when we know right. that there has to be piles of it if it exactly. was done the way they said it was done. Um, you know, there's so much secrecy surrounding this investigation. Why do you think the media is refusing to push for answers? Well, because the media is, is owned by the, the corrupt people, and 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 so... This is basically Hollywood played out on stage. They write the scripts, and they want people to believe. I mean, they're in business to keep business going, and their business is fake news. And so, um, of course, that's what they're doing. And what's happening, though, is that, you know, a lot of people in America are, the truth is starting to be spread a little bit faster, and people are not, they're starting to question what they're hearing on the media. And so, you know, they're going to other sources like the governmentrag.com or Hagman and Hagman or, you know, mm-hmm. several other sites. And they're starting to discuss things in real life with people about what is your opinion? You know, what do you believe and what don't you believe? And I think with the Las Vegas event is the fact that the reason why that they're not really pushing to have any evidence is because, you know, People are questioning. A lot of people have already started figuring out the evidence. I mean, we know how to go get information from the court systems. We know how to do a lot of things. And so they are putting the storyline out, and then they're moving on to the next false flag because they cannot spend much time on, you know, putting evidence out or trying to get down to the bottom of, you know, what people are questioning when they're putting the storyline out in the first place. So... What they're doing is they're putting it out, and then they're moving to the next script because they have another tor- story to tell and another event to tell. And so we should be looking forward to that in the future very soon because it seems to be right on time. Like as soon as as soon as it starts heating up, just like it did in Charleston, 
as soon as people started questioning what's going on here, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't adding up, then we move right on to Las Vegas. And so we should be looking um, in the future very soon to see, you know, w- where the next one's going to be playing out and how the media will present that to Americans and the world. Yeah, that's a good point. And just to be clear, we 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 only have about about a minute left before uh, the bottom of the hour break. Uh, Stephanie, uh, just to be clear, when when you reference or when you state false flag, that that doesn't mean the incident did not happen. That doesn't mean that at all. It uh, right. you know it means that it didn't happen. Certainly, the way it, it's been mischaracterized, misportrayed deliberately. Is is that a fair um, description of a false flag? Yeah, absolutely. Because there are there are things that do play out, and and it doesn't mean that it d- didn't happen. Like it was just played out in the media. It means that um, the storyline is there, the script is there. Um, whether they use actors or whether they actually set people up, like they did Jerry Lee Lofner, um, you know, uh, those are those are the things that have to be uncovered in each each event. But as we spend a lot of time actually trying to uncover the truth, you know, they're busy putting together the next false flag. And unfortunately, there is people that literally do believe what they hear on the radio or what they hear on TV or see coming down their news feeds. And, you know, a lot of the fake news networks are breaking news stories and so, you know, they, they want people to be bickering with each other. They want people to be constantly um, questioning it and debating it and such why they put together the next one. And, and in my opinion, you know, the truth of the matter is, is no matter how you look at it, um, it's, it all comes down to the fact that it's destroying America and that um, this is a hostile takeover, and I, you know, it's definitely a, a communist agenda, in my opinion. Boy, you, you said you said it, and, and I and I totally agree with you. When you look at the agenda, and and you look at the, we'll just go back in history since the early 20th century, how we've been infiltrated by by the communists. Now the communists, and I use that term knowingly to encompass as well the Maoists, the Marxists, the Leninists, the, and even um, the socialists as well, communists with, or socialists with guns or communists. But having said that, to, to see the progression and then, of course, the axis with uh, the, um, the Islamic agenda tied into um, or the weaponization of Islam that, that is kind of a force multiplier of this communist globalist agenda in the bigger sense. So I, I said a mouthful there and I, I wasn't too articulate about it, but, but, but all, all told, I think you're absolutely right where this is a communist, communist foundation for a hostile takeover, and I like the way you said that. Uh, our exactly. Guest, our guest is Stephanie Sledge, the government rag. Um, is her website and the book too? Her book about uh, the uh, shooting in 2011, Gabrielle Giffords, Apple Zebra 11, the Lofner cover-up. Interesting read, folks. Network break. Three minutes. Back after the network break. Stay where we're at.
Report. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely. Eric's a... It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Trang Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changewithwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. To this edition of the Hagman Report, our guest is Stephanie Sledge. The government rag is her website began about eight years ago. In fact, during the break, we're talking when you know when did you start? But uh, I think eight years uh, October um, is when she began writing, and of course, she's been awake uh, her entire life, blessed by that. And one of the issues that is really near and dear to my heart is the bigger picture of the hostile takeover of America. And, and that's, that's really at the heart, I believe, at what Stephanie is. The sum total of her articles, of her research, of her investigation 
is is all about is is about this hostile takeover and and I speak about this and Joe and I speak about this and this program speaks about this my program speaks about it and, and so so to that to that to that end Stephanie what's going on here with the hostile takeover the takedown of the United States of America and and where do we even start in in having that discussion because so many people don't really get the fact that there there's a war for uh there's a war for a hostile takeover of our country. Exactly. I mean, most people just go along with their daily lives, and if you ask them, you know, how the economy is doing, they'll tell you that it's getting better, and they'll tell you that, you know, uh, having more police on the street is for our safety, and having uh, less gun in the hands of Americans is for the safety and security of our nation, and we should call the police every time that someone... Um, you know, for even the, the most minor things that we have to start depending on, um, you know, a police state instead of taking care of ourselves. So what the agenda is really is, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's everything from small agenda to us becoming addicted to, um, the, the 911, um, way of life all the way to, um, you know, uh, believing what we're told about what's going on with the wars. Overseas and and you, know, I, you can still ask people to this day, just your average everyday person that you work with, and ask them, you know, why are we at war, you know, in Afghanistan? And you know, they will regurgitate, you know, because you know it all comes back to, you know, the the terrorist attack at 9/11. And so a lot of people are very very close-minded, and they like having that security. And but you know I like to break help people break out of that security feeling and in fact in, to the point of uncomfortableness if it allows them to start thinking about what's really happening and there is a hostile takeover going on and as far as wars are concerned you know war is business and so there always has to be wars and we're never going to get out of wars there's too much invested in business we have. Too many companies, um, contractors, military contractors, um, the, the entire industrial, um, military industrial complex is set up around business, a business plan and a marketing plan. And so, um, one of the things that I definitely like to expose as far as the bigger picture is concerned is, um, you know, what's happening with the wars and what's really going on. And I did write an article not long ago, and it talked about how to overthrow a country using um, drug addiction. And it's called to overthrow a country is to weaken it through drug addiction. And um, heroin is at the forefront right now, and you can pick up almost any paper in any city and it will, on the front of every page, is going to be the next overdose or something about an overdose. And, of course, the heroes are going to be the paramedics. And, you know, people are going to be screaming in the streets that we need more police state, more drug enforcement, because we've got to stop this heroin epidemic. And But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, heroin is really the way that um, it is another plot that's going on in our country to not only weaken our country, but also to murder our youth. And it's also a business plan as well. And, um, you know, so we're actually there to guard um, and to protect 
the opium fields and to also be able to distribute the heroin. Um, it's, it's traded on the market and so, you know, we, that, that is another purpose, purpose of destroying our country is to, um, you know, the fake news networks, you know, they're always bringing up the heroin epidemic and how we need to stop it and things need to change. Well, this is a business. Not only are we creating, um, you know, the, not we, but, you know, as far as, uh, the war is concerned, you know, the drugs are being brought into this country and they were, they're being dealt on the streets simply by the actual agencies that are supposedly enforcing it. And so they do no good for our country. Um, they put the informants out on the streets, they supply the drugs, they get the, they get those informants, you know, they, they collect people into addiction and then that keeps the, the service industry of the treatment centers and the mental health units, and they keep people coming back for more. So that's just another example of how there's a hostile takeover going on. And, and if I can, if I can jump in here, because I, I think it's it's part of a eugenics program as well. Because on one end, you've got you've got the uh, well. For, first of all, all all wars are bankers' wars. I think we can agree on that. Exactly. And, and then, of course, the and, and we've had many discussions about the uh, uh, heroin, the, the drug. Uh, the war, the war against drugs, which, you know, it was Nixon had, uh, really kind of started off, uh, he declared war on drugs back in the 70s. And it's, it's kind of like the war on terrorism. Uh, terrorism is a tactic, it's not a target. Uh, the war on drugs is a very, that, that by itself is a moving target and kind of a misnomer anyway. Well, what, you know, what's interesting here about the war on drugs is, um, like we had in the 70s and in the 80s with the, uh, Governments deals with these different drug kingpins from oh, yeah. Vietnam to uh, the, again Central America with with cocaine shipping and distribution. We now have with Afghanistan in the heroin trade. The heroin production in Afghanistan is at an all time high, and you have obviously those same drugs coming to the streets of America, adding to this increase in uh, this drug epidemic that we see and. The one thing that really bothers me about the drug war is the government, with one hand, is cracking down, you know, giving these huge prison sentences to to people who are in possession of drugs. But on the other hand, they're the ones that are bringing, you know, more than half the drugs into the country. So there's it, it, been this dynamic there, exactly. right? Corruption and and um, uh, inside baseball with the government and this war on drugs. And if I can just add one more thing uh, to get your reaction, Stephanie, when I said eugenics, and, and uh, Joe, you made some good points. Uh, but what what few people in this in this conversation in my view what few what uh, precious few people talk about are the people the 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 infirmed the the elderly um who uh let's say they've got uh, you know cancer uh rheumatoid arthritis or whatever it is they but by virtue of the crackdown on the illegal drugs on one end, the legitimate uh, people who actually need uh, a, a pharmaceutical treatment using whatever might be opiate-based drugs are suffering and ultimately dying, and that includes our soldiers too. The, the veterans coming back, you know, blown up with no, you know, half limbs uh, gone. Um, so. so it's it's a, it's it's an, a very to me it's a very insidious 
uh, practice that's going on. I, I just don't want to, I, I just want to make sure I got that in there. I, I do believe that legitimate people, including people with cancer, people with serious diseases are suffering, uh, because of the crackdown on the, this side are suffering because of the crackdown over here. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I mean, to keep Afghanistan from economic suicide, you know, we had to allow this to happen to our country and, and it is true, you know, and it's just another um, way to build up the service industry of enforcement in this country. And we really are a country that has a, um, you know, a, a fence around us. We're, we're in prison in our own country. And these agencies are, you know, they're, they're given these, um, you know, ways to keep uh, building more enforcement as the, the public is being duped into believing that, you know, we are are doing this to ourselves as a country as a whole when it's not true. It is being instigated and pushed upon the people without most of the people having any knowledge of it, um, just like the D.A.R.E. program, just like the alcohol, tobacco, firearms, um, you know, look at all the, you know, the, the gun control that's going on as people are screaming in the streets that, we need more gun control from an agency that sold guns during stings and plots, um, the Mexican drug cartel and terrorists and, you know, a lot of border patrol agents and other people were murdered and they still don't have to answer to that. But yet they're the ones that decide who, who gets, who gets to have guns in this country. And as far as our military, you know, they go over there thinking that they're going to war against, um, you know, the bad guys that are, you know, trying to uh, destroy America. And then they come to find out that they're over there in the drug uh, trade. And a lot of them, unfortunately, do end up just like in Vietnam, you know, which was the way that they actually brought Vietnam, um, you know, to a fold. And and a lot of the Viet- Vietnam veterans were destroyed because that plot to put and to get um, those those uh, veterans addicted to heroin during that time is actually happening again. So what the news is not telling you is a lot of military people are coming back from Afghanistan already addicted to heroin. And they're already put on all these drugs as well and labeled as having PTSD so that the minute that they, um, you know, are out of the, the military, they are declared unfit, and so they're not able to, to handle guns, and, and then they continue on their route with drug addiction, whether it's through the pharmaceutical companies or, um, you know, through, the it's through the heroin train. Yeah. yeah. And, and so it's very sad. And, and, and I like, and, and folks, I, 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 this is why I think history is important, because I, I do like the, the way that you referenced Vietnam the uh the 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 playbook with vietnam and of course at post 1975 there was a period of of uh i'm not going to say peace but non-active war then of course uh 15 years later desert shield desert storm that ramped up again uh, that playbook uh, you know was put back into motion and of course after 9-11 now we've got this refined way this refined method so all of this is kind of we're seeing multi-generations being destroyed 
Exactly. And, and so you're, you're, you're precisely correct on this, and I think people need to look at this. And, and you said something during the break, and I just, it, it's resonating with me. It, it's looking at the big picture, you know, the hostile takeover of our country. And there's so many moving parts and so many battlefronts, you know, so. Yeah, there, there is. And, and, you know, our, unfortunately, our country depends on all of this to stay in business right now because um, we have become the new service industry, and that service industry has, um, you know, d- during the past 10 years, you know, our country has grown in jobs just in prison and security and also the medical field. I mean, how many people do you know that, you know, are, you know, working in a medical establishment? Um, just everybody that you talk to is either working in the medical establishment or they've grown into the educational system. And of course, you know, there has to be certain type of personalities to fit in those, um, actual job descriptions because they cannot go against the agenda. And if they, if they do know what's going on, you know, they're definitely afraid to speak their mind because of the fact that, you know, their entire careers are at stake. And so they really did build up this. And um, there's a lot of interesting um, things going on. And, and uh, you know, as far as the agenda is concerned, and, I mean, there there's a hostile takeover going on in our home front. Like, not only are we at war... Um, foreign wars, but domestically there's a war going on, and we are at war against the secret and silent society that is actually destroying America from within, and those those people that go along with it and that they think that it's okay, you know, they don't see what's going to happen to their children or their grandchildren or what the future is going to hold for America, and you know, I also have a lot of discussions with my partner, Jack Mon, who's written several articles. He just wrote an interesting article, which everybody should look at, at the government rag, and it's called The Bolshevik Revolution 2.0, America Rebooted. And um, it, he gives a, a very clear um, understanding of how um, history is playing out and the total destruction um, as far as the Bolshevik Revolution and how this agenda is playing out here in America now. And so, you know, this isn't something that we just have people, uh, like a, a group of elite, people like to use the word elites, but it's not just about a group of elites that's trying to destroy. This is about a very planned out, well-plotted, um, you know, uh, book of of life that is being played out that has been going on for for you know well over a hundred years and it has to continue because you know it if it doesn't continue business will fail and so that is what this is really all about it's about the hostile takeover has a lot of business ties and the entire business of war has to continue I mean can you imagine if we said tomorrow, you know, bring all the troops home and there's no more wars. Can you imagine how many people are out of jobs? Yeah, I mean, this, yeah. This is very scary. It this is. This is very scary because there are so many people that are working in industries that are tied to making sure that, that, that we have to declare another war. 
and we have to have some war declared on us because, you know, there are so many businesses and so many corporations and so there's so much agenda involved in it that it, it, trying to even try to imagine how to get out of it, the only way that's going to be the way to get out of it is when, you know, Americans start fighting back and, and, and I don't mean just, you know, verbally, like when we say enough is enough, get out of our country, like we want to live like Americans are supposed to live free. And, you know, and, and, and so, you know, a lot of people have their minds are duped by, you know, believing that the Constitution is, um, outdated and old and it needs to be rewritten and, and we need to, uh, rewrite it involving, you know, making sure that we have, uh, every American's lives are being snooped upon and it's very, it's, it's very, uh, aggressive yeah. living in America right now. It, it is. And Stephanie, I want to ask you this, um, about the change that we've seen in the media. I was talking earlier today, um, with John, our producer, and he mentioned that, uh, you know, the, the, how we don't really speculate anymore like we used to years ago. And I made the argument to him. I said, well, maybe it's not so much that it's less speculation. Maybe just the things we used to speculate about we see coming true. And one of those things since the presidential election last year is the change in the media and how the media is really outing themselves as an enemy of the American people based on a number of things, based on the agenda they promote, first of all, uh, from defending, you know, Islam to uh, defending Hillary Clinton and all that corruption to trying to tear down Trump. They really have exposed themselves as an enemy of the truth and of the American people. Which, what do you, where does the mainstream media go for here? Are they going to be able to continue to promote agendas that are antithetical to the American Constitution and system of government? Are they going to continue to be able to hold an audience with all the lies and constant uh, propaganda that they promote? Well, I mean, in my opinion, it, the, the way that they have the media set up right now is actually working for them because... They, they have a divide going on, and as long as they can keep people divided, if they have half the nation thinking that they're liars and uncovering, you know, the, the lies that's going on, and then they have the other half of the nation that is not, um, they, they, they'll spew to you, you know, that they don't care anything about what's happening in the media, but yet they're believing exactly what they're being told on every radio station break or AP press or every newspaper that they read or, you know, every time they turn on the media, then, yes, they're winning. Because the, the point is, is that, you know, until, until America, you know, starts saying no more, you, you need to get out of our country, like, we're throwing your, you out of the country, this media, and, or we're gonna start, you know, we demand that people start being convicted, now, there's a fine line also between, you know, freedom of speech. So are, are they practicing freedom of speech or are they actually against Americans and actually being traitorous against the country? Well, that's the fine line that people are questioning now. Are they traitors? Are they, um, should they be convicted and, and brought to justice before the American people because they are against America? 
they are against America, our way of living, our Constitution. And so people, you know, are becoming aware of what the difference is now. And what is the future plan? You know, like I always joke around with people and tell people that when false flags happen, that not only are they trying to evaluate, you know, how they can make things better to present the next, um, you know, form of business as far as news is concerned, but also they're trying to find out who the best minds are because those are, it's very important right now that they separate um, who's actually seeing and who's actually not seeing. And so I do believe that um, until Americans start demanding that we shut down these, you know, these uh, traitorous uh, corporations and, and obviously there's agenda behind it, the ownership of the media, um, I believe since the 1960s, you know, or 1950s, you know, I mean, they're being consumed by corporate giants. And, um, like, clear back to 1983, there was primarily 50 corporations controlling the bulk of Americans' media in all forms. And then in 2014, it dropped to six mega media houses. And, and, you know, I, most of them are all Jewish owned. And no, so, yeah. you know, our media is definitely, um, it's not our media. It is a, a media that has been pushed upon Americans for not only for the hostile takeover of, with psychological operations and mental abuse, but also to collect those that are not seeing the truth into a way of life that is, um, very passive and um, communistic. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you on the communist, uh, the, the the communist uh, area here. Um, and, and now, you had mentioned the, and I, and I know that uh, this is a, a very very touchy subject for many. We'll confront it head on here. The Jewish owned, as you as you had depicted, uh, the, the media corporations, and I don't think that there's any. Uh, dispute as to as to that, but you know, is that a an element of, uh, for example, is that an element of of uh, concern, shall we say, in, in other or even a relevant element? Because when when you say that, is that ideology because of the we'll say the Jewish ownership? Um, is there an ideology there that's an overriding ideology that would dictate the agenda itself? Um, I'm just curious as to, as to, you know, your reference to the Jewish owned, what you mean by that, I guess. I'll just, I'll just ask you to explain that. Um, well, there's a Jewish political interest and, you know, there's a difference, uh, you know, uh, I know there's, there, you know, I, I'm not trying to, uh, insinuate that, you know, all Jews are involved. I'm talking about the Jewish agenda, um, and that Jewish agenda does run very deep. And, you know, I know a lot of people don't like to talk about, um, you know, the actual agenda of, of um, who's responsible or what is actually happening. But, you know, many, many, many people, many authors, many people have been uncovering that truth for a long time. And unfortunately, you know, it is something that is, it's been drilled into America's, um, minds, actually the minds of, of, of the worldwide, uh, PSYOP for many, 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 many years. And so, but, you know, 
as far as um, the Jewish agenda is concerned, I mean, you can study the Jewish agenda and you can find, you know, what the actual, um, you know, the, the, who has the Jewish control, the complete control of the mass media. And I know that Jews are only make up approximately like 2% of to- the total population of the United States. Right. But we're not talking about... Um, you know, the people that are making up that population. We're talking about a big picture that goes clear back, um, you know, way, way, way back. And, you know, it can be referenced and books can be found about the Jewish agenda, you know, way, way back. Eustace Mullins. Even in World War yeah. One. Yeah, Eustace Mullins. Yeah, and uh, it's a political, yeah. and the political interest of it as well. And, and so, um, yeah, and, you know, people familiar with the Jewish-led Bolshevik Revolution, um, you know, uh, in Russia around 1917 or so, um, they're also aware of the, the 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 Russian people were also disarmed in the same fashion fashion as what's happening now and before the Russian Holocaust began, and during that time, I believe there was like 40 to 60 million people that were murdered. So this is this is something that has to be gone back and actually studied. And of course, all of our history books have been completely heisted, and we've been duped for years in education, only indoctrinating, um, you know, what what they want history to regurgitate. Man, so. yeah, wow! I can't believe it, that that this top of the hour snuck up on both of us. Stephanie uh, Sled yeah. from the GovernmentRag.com is the website. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We look forward to talking with you in the future. Man, it's just a, we're a just getting segment. into it too. <laughs> thank was, you. Uh, I, sorry about it that. It was a ple- it was a pleasure, and I I hope to come back on your show again. And thank you very much for letting me come on and and spread the the truth. Absolutely. Right. We'll be right back after this network break. Don't go anywhere. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high net worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report. It is Thursday, November 2nd, 2017. Time flies. You know, as we approach the, uh, as, as we approach the 4th of November, this, this day of, uh, rage. I, I don't know what else to call it. Then you've got, you've got the, uh, screaming at the sky, you know, on the, on the, uh, uh, one year anniversary of the election. It, it just seems that we're losing. <laughs> The, the inmates, uh, in, in some cases are in charge of the asylum. I just can't, cannot believe what we're seeing, what we're seeing unfold. And uh, our next guest is going to be talking about a number of things. Uh, our next guest, uh, Shastina Eloff has no website. Uh, but she is something, well, she, she has a group up, uh, she's a mompreneur, okay? And she's got a lot of, uh, involvement in issues of the day, such as gun control, uh, social media, uh, handling your social media account, um, the next Make America Great Again movement. It's a, it's a new organization. Uh, in fact, she's the head of something called uh, Hashtag Fire Back. It's a, in fact, you can see it on your screen. It's a weekly live show. She's going to be talking about women in politics, and, and you can follow her. I mean, she's got uh, uh, she's got a pretty formidable presence on social networking. So a lot of what we're seeing today, a lot of the headlines are going to be discussed, of course, during her appearance. But in advance of that, I, I'm, I, you know. We're seeing, and I think Joe would agree, and I think everyone would agree in the fact that what we're seeing today is just an all-out war. I talked about this on, on my program, the run-up to a war from within. I mean, we are so divided, so fractured as a country, uh, whether it's along racial lines or along ideological lines, or and it's lawless. There's a, there's a period of lawlessness out there. Uh, that that's just that I don't think we've seen this kind of lawlessness 
it was certainly not in my lifetime and and I'm old so um but nonetheless but here to talk about many things anything as a matter of fact from um the social networking uh uh to to being a mompreneur I like that I can pronounce that. Remember, I got Joe. You, you Josh Tully's book, Evangelpreneur. Joe, yeah, you have I have a hard time with that. I do, I do. But mompreneur, I, I've got it. I've got it solid. And of course, you know the always, always engaging topic of gun control. But but a formidable presence right now in social networking is our next guest, and her name is Justina Eloff. We're very pleased to bring her on. Justina, welcome to the Hagman Report. Thanks for having me. Well, it's it's our pleasure. You really classy up the uh, the joint here. I'll tell you that. Oh, fantastic. Um, <laughs> you know, you know. For, look, I I I feel like I know you. Joe and I were talking before the show, and Eric, the tech, and I were all of us were talking uh, before the show about uh, about your internet presence, your social networking presence, and about what you what you do. Um, but I'm going to toss this out to you. Do you mind introducing yourself? Um, and, and I find that when guests do this, it's much better than when I try to do this or Joe tries to do this. Tell our audience about yourself a little bit. Well, my name is Shastina Elaw, and I started out in the entertainment industry with a background in music. I released a couple of uh, singles. I work with some multi-platinum artists. And I never was really heavy into politics. And then, you know, as you grow and you get older, you see uh, things are not going well. And when Trump said he was running for president, I said, he's going to win and I need to support him and I need to get vocal about this. So I campaigned for him for 15 months. And while campaigning for him, I have two children and I run my own company. So I became a mompreneur. I'm full-time with my kids. I've never had a babysitter. I don't have a nanny. I am 100% with my kids. The only time that myself or my husband have been away from my child is when I went to have a C-section for my second child. That's it. So full-time mom. I work full-time. I'm undergrad or pre-law, so I go full-time school as well. And I have a huge presence on social media, and I do that to support President Trump's agenda with my MAGA family. See, I don't think either one of us, Joe, could have could have said that any better. And certainly, no, no. Uh, and, and that's an that's amazing. Okay, I, I'm exhausted now after after <laughs> I am too. Uh, I, I, after hearing what you just said. Now, now you made me tired. So running a company. So yeah, being a mom, yeah. being a mom of a mother of two in the last two. fifteen months. My daughter's four, and my son will be two next month. My daughter will be four in January. So he's still in diapers, and I'm still breastfeeding. And you're working on the presidential campaign and running your own company. So that's the definition of a a mompreneur. That's the definition of a mompreneur. And and studying law. And studying, yes. I'm 13 units right now in college. Okay. Um, Do you sleep? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, do you, do you sleep? This is amazing. Um, well, well, first of all, congratulations because what a, what a robust uh, schedule you must have. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now, the the one thing I do know about you um, is you're one of the few people, in my view, that when Donald Trump announced his candidacy, you okay? You said yeah, he's yes. going to win. Yes. 
and, and my wife actually kind of uh, still makes fun of me today because she said, you know, you never thought he was going to win. She still holds that over my head. Oh. What, what made you, what convinced you early on that, that, that he was going to take the presidency? The silent majority. Huh. I knew that the people had had enough. And I knew that we were going to step up. Listen, I was excited about Obama, his first term, and I drank the Obama Kool-Aid. I was excited. I thought he would do something different. He's so charming. He's so refreshing. And during his second term, I just realized, you know, what a joke. And it was a joke. And when I saw President Trump, I saw somebody who was real, an American person who hadn't been diluted with politics who wasn't just about himself, who really is an older man who said, you know what, I want to do something for the American people. And I knew that would speak with the silent majority. And I knew a lot of people who wouldn't publicly support him, but were going to publicly support him after he won and who privately supported him in the voting booth. Mm. Okay. What did you... um what did you get to do on the campaign? Did you work on social media? What was your... I did. Yeah, okay. I just worked on social media. Uh, I went fighting, debating, trying to, you know, give facts to the people, talk about his agenda, talk about immigration, talk about tax reform, health care. Um, I really tried to get people to like him, to understand him, to be okay with some of the things that he said. Uh, especially for women that they didn't like. Um, so that's just kind of what I did. And I did this for 15 months. I lost friends and family members because of it. But I knew that this was for a better America, that this was the right choice. Let me ask you this. So you, you just mentioned that you lost family members over it. Was it due to their hatred for Donald Trump, their uh, yes. love for Hillary Clinton, a bit of both? And how it you... wasn't for their love of Hillary Clinton. I have Democrat friends, and I, I would be like, how can you vote for her, knowing everything that we know? And they would say, oh, no, I hate her. I can't stand her. She's she's evil. But I support the policy of the Democrats. That's, you know, abortion, uh, mm-hmm. homosexuality, all of that stuff. So they support the agenda, and they hate Trump. Like, they absolutely hate him. Yeah, I said this to a friend. I said Hillary could be slaughtering babies in the street, and they would still somehow find a way to blame Trump. Yeah, and they would. They would, and and uh, even with the latest scandals that have come out, they you just see people defending her uh, constantly. Have you been able to repair any of those relationships that you lost? Or Um, no, no, okay. And and I wouldn't care to believe me. You know what? Same way. God commands me. You got to cut toxicity out of your life. We can forgive, but we need to cut toxic out of our life, and those are toxic people. Mm-hmm. All right, well, but here's my question to you now. Here's what I need to know. When did you collude with the Russians? And I want, I want to know where it was. Yeah, being the social media you know, person. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I think I've been colluding with the Russians my whole life. <laughs> my ancestors are from Yugoslavia, so I'm kind of like right next door. Well, you're guilty then. Okay, so I'm guilty. By association, see? Absolutely. It, it, it's, it's not fake news. There it is. No. Uh, hey, right-wing watch, guess what? There it is. We just proved it. They're for coming for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, wow. No. Okay. Uh, I, I'm still. I'm. My mind's still stuck on. Uh, you know, she doesn't sleep. She can't. I mean, <laughs> you know. But um, plus, you do a weekly show too. Yeah. I do actually. I go three times a week, so I have to prepare those segments. 
research my facts, make sure I know what I'm talking about, don't sound like a complete, you know, idiot. Yeah. Well, that doesn't stop us. So, but. <laughs> with this label of, of mompreneur and everything that that entails, um, where do you, is this a Facebook page? What do you, where, where can people go? Um, Twitter. Twitter, yeah, Twitter I, is my, right my most vocal. Um, okay. I was on Facebook for a while, but Facebook's algorithm really tries to silence conservatives. I truly believe that. And with Twitter, if I mind my P's and Q's, and uh, I can really get my voice heard. What I want to ask you this while we're, we're still on the topic of mompreneur. What yeah. advice can you give to, to other uh, women and men out there who are struggling to balance parts of their lives or finding themselves short on time? What can people do to become more efficient and get more done from your experience? Well, I have a very supportive husband. So my husband is a breadwinner. So he works full time. And I have a company as well, but it's it wouldn't cover. Like if he lost his job or income, it wouldn't cover the bills fully. Mm-hmm. So I have that, and that helps take some of the burden off. He if takes care of business. He, yeah. yeah, and, and, and yeah, he's yeah. he is the traditional. Uh, we're talking about a nuclear family here. We're talking about a husband who takes care of business, takes care of his responsibilities. Just so you know, um, and women say this all the time. I can't do that. When I get up in the morning, I'm cooking waffles from scratch. My children get bananas. I slice up strawberries, cantaloupe, grapes. Uh, sometimes they get a muffin. I'm whipping up eggs. This is a full breakfast for my children. Uh, lunch is a full lunch, too. Yesterday, I cooked chicken, rice, slices of avocado, and then for dinner, I prepare a meal as well if we're not going out. So my house is a traditional house. Like I said, my husband is the breadwinner. I take care of the laundry. I take care of all of the cleaning. We do not have a house cleaner. There's no maid here. There's no nanny, like I said. When I get up in the morning, it's go time. So I prepare food for everybody, and then I've got to get the children ready. And in between all of this, I have to research or prepare my segments, and I have to cook lunch for everybody. My husband gets a lunch as well. And then, you know, I have to do all that. So without the support of my husband understanding all of the workload I have to do, which really starts to go in at night, because when the kids go to sleep, that's when I crank out, and I don't go to sleep till 3 o'clock sometimes doing all of this stuff. If it's if you don't have a supportive husband, you're not going to be able to do your dreams because I'm able to be a full-time mom, work on my company, do my schoolwork, and now my show. And that's really made possible because my husband supports me and understands that he can no longer get all of my attention as he used to, right? So he's on the back burner right now. And for moms, if they want to do this, if you want to acquire your dreams, you have to turn the TV off. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no more shows. I don't get to sit and watch my shows weekly as I used to. I'm three weeks behind. You've got to turn that off, and you really have to organize your time. You've really got to manage your time. You can't let any time go- get away from you. So that's the number one thing is because people, you know, they're always saying, I can't do that. Yes, you can. It's just do you want to do it? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that goes for for men too. Uh, I know myself. I've got a very supportive wife. Okay, again, we're talking about a nuclear family, but I take care of the business. I take care of business uh, uh, that I need to. 
mm-hmm. but without a supportive spouse, in in my case, I, I just couldn't do this. No. So that's so important, and and I think, and that it's so refreshing uh, to hear you talk about that and to place the emphasis on that as part of the recipe for success and a necessary part of the success. Mm. Okay. And, and we also have, you know, this is a Christian household. Yes. Anytime we're stressed out or we feel like we're overwhelmed or we can't do this, we turn to prayer and we ask for God's strength and he gives it to us. And every time we've had a problem or something is coming up, it's, you know, God provides and we're very blessed. Well, and, and as it, as 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 we are in my household, and, and certainly, um, right, you're the spiritual leader, right? Exactly, and I think a lot of people just don't understand that spiritual component as well. Being uh, even many Christians don't understand the importance of that spiritual component, which uh, you explained it very well. Uh, wow. Okay. It's and, and again, our, our guest uh, Justina. Uh, Elof is our guest. She's got a fantastic uh, social media presence on Twitter. You can visit her. Of course, the link is in our program description. Shastina Elof is the uh, Twitter link, and it's on, on our screen there right now uh, for those watching live on YouTube. Real, real quick, um, Shastina, the the company that you have is this a company that does social media work? Well. I actually don't tell anyone the company. Oh, okay. Well, we don't and the reason why is because I am a vocal Trump supporter. Ah. I lost a corporation last year uh, because trolls are very good at destroying your ratings, uh, destroying your internet presence, and I had to close my corporation down. I had to change my phone number, so I had to do a lot of steps. So I've had this company, it's an e-commerce company, and I've had it for a while, for a year and a half, and I learned real quick, okay, I can't tell anyone about it until I'm big enough because they will destroy this. This is a baby. This is my, like, a little, I love this company, and they'll destroy it. I can't say where I'm going to dinner anymore because of the death threats I get, which I used to on Snapchat. Oh, here I am, you know, great food. This place is awesome. I can't do that anymore. Um, I have to be really cautious about locations and where I am with my family, and sometimes I can't. If I want to talk about where I was, I can't talk about it till after I've left. It's a really sad time. It, it, it is, and, and I'm, I'm so glad you, you, you mentioned that and you described it that way because I don't think people – Especially the, the people like us who are vocal mm-hmm. and openly supportive of the agenda of uh, Donald Trump, the uh, president, right? <laughs> Just supporting America, exactly. The 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 animus, the hostility that 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 we've seen. Just it blows my mind. So I and, and I can imagine. And my children get death threats. Wow! Really? These are toddlers. That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Now, now, that speaks to really a bigger problem in my view. Yeah. And, 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 um. Well, we I, see this, I mean, not just with, um, what we see from, you know, trolls and, and, uh, you know, the share blue people who are, you know, basically internet Hillary and, and Soros supporters. But even with the president's own son, we've seen the mainstream media and celebrities viciously attack him. Uh, you know, na- calling him names. We've, we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, the threats on Twitter. 
It's absolutely crazy. The I mean, what kind of society do we live in now, where the mentality is to go after innocent children who have nothing or nothing, nothing to do with it or no vested interest in it, one way or the other? Yeah. Uh, what does that say about our society? Well, they're sick. They're mentally ill, and they need yeah, help. Absolutely. I mean, I that's agree. the only thing I can think of. I don't go attacking innocent children. I don't go attacking anybody. Right. I, I don't do that. That's not my rhetoric. My rhetoric is lead with love. And I do that all day on social media. When a troll says, I hate you, I want you to die, I say, I love you, I hope that God fills your heart. And that's it. I'm not going to stoop to their level and be violent and being hateful. I'm not going to be like them because, to me, they're disgusting. That, that, is kind of, that does kind of stop most of them, I think, in their tracks. Uh, and, and so that's how you handle that. Correct. Yeah, and I and I ask all my followers to do the same. I actually ask my followers to actually follow liberals on social media and to try to educate them with facts and show love hmm. to to try to kill their hateness with love. Okay, and, and I think that's a good policy because uh, the other way it just doesn't work out. I mean, no one wins. You know, I have this. I don't know where I heard the saying, but uh, I like the saying. You know, when you uh, uh, never wrestle with a pig because uh, two things happen: you, you both get muddy, and the pig likes yeah. it. You know, <laughs> I don't so, want to get muddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, okay. Um, and, and, I'm from Orange County. We're very clean over here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, well, that's good. Uh, so, but but the larger issue here, and and I I don't know. To me, we're in a time. Um, and if you could, if you could walk us through what we're witnessing today, I mean, we're witnessing. I mean, I, I know what we know what we're witnessing, but uh, what's the root cause of the disease that that seems to be afflicting our country and, and society in general? What's, what's you know what I call it? I I call it liberal privilege. Hmm. And liberal privilege. I like that. <laughs> well, you know, you've you've heard of white privilege. You've You've heard of all these liberties, uh, privileges, and I really think, and I'm going to try to find it for you, I really think that the liberals feel that they have the right to control other people's lives, um, that they have the right to be heard, but that we can't be heard. I really believe that they are offended when we're, we're, they're offended if we don't care, and they really feel that only their way is the right way. And that they have a set of rules that it's everything is for them and we are of no value. So I call it that they have a liberal privilege, a liberal mentality. And that's why they come out and spew their hate. I mean, look at how they came out uh, to Donald Trump for what he said to women. He said, grab them by the, mm -hmm. they let you do it. Okay. And now we have Weinstein, uh, Kevin Spacey. Uh, Jimmy Piven, all of these sexual, uh, Bill Cosby, all of this for sexual assault and sexual harassment. And Trump is telling you that they let you do it, and they're just trying to destroy Trump for that. But now they have all of these men coming out. It's it's hypocrisy, and they're disgusting. And then Rosie O'Donnell comes out and says, oh, well, we all knew. Well, if you all knew and you said nothing, then obviously you're okay with it. So why did you have a problem with Trump's having locker room talk for women that let him do that to them? You know, it's it's very interesting to see all these people that, as you just uh, noted, come out and say, you know, about Harvey Weinstein, about Kevin Spacey. Oh, we, we knew. 
and we see people who would joke about it at the uh, Emmy Awards or, you know, whatever this or that is, or on TV shows. Yet, they knew that he was targeting young children. Yeah, yeah, yet they don't say anything. And this is just what we see recently with this explosion of accusations against people. What happened I'm to... I'm excited it's coming out. I'm glad. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we also look at the motives. You know, is this... Uh, are, are people finally coming out because this is the perfect opportunity to do so? Or, or is this person coming out to gain publicity? But, well, is there... Or is it safety in numbers? I mean... I think it's safety in numbers. Okay. I've talked about this before because, like I said, I come from the industry. And I've talked about on my show what I've witnessed in the industry... And I've talked about my own sexual harassment. And you don't say anything because you will be destroyed. If you say anything against these men in Hollywood, you you won't stand a chance in Hollywood. You'll never work again. So that's why there's safety in numbers. And that's why these women are coming out. And and if this is uncomfortable, if you don't want to go here, that's fine. So within the Hollywood system, which you were in, You were victimized in this fashion in some way. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was. Okay, and you didn't. Well, okay. So, so having been a victim, um, you either don't talk about that, right. or if you do talk about it, you lose. You're not going anywhere. I guess is, is the bottom line. You, you won't make it in Hollywood. Hmm. And I'm sure that you know. Wow. For all, for every allegation we see, there's, you know, a hundred, if not a thousand more that we will never hear about. Never. You will never hear about it. You, yeah. you won't. It's, it's embarrassing. You, it's, it's just, you know, when people say, why didn't you come out, you know, if this happened to you or that happened to you, why didn't you say anything? You just want it to go away. Mm-hmm. Victims really don't want to relive what happened. You That's just true. want it to go away. And the the uh, pervasiveness, the the um, the the the, the uh, I, I, it's even difficult to talk about uh, the, the 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 pedophilia in Hollywood. My goodness, uh-huh. you know, you hear about this, and, and people like Roman Polanski, who are uh, who are celebrated despite the fact that this this pervert is, is a pervert who had sex mm-hmm. with an under, you know, I just uh, it's. Wow. Yet they applaud him, standing ovation. Right, right. Because he's an artist. In, yeah, exactly. And this is this is something I um, we. But, but if the president talks about what women let him do, then they're outright disgusted, and they need right. to march with hats on their mm-hmm. head. It's the hypocrisy. It runs so deep with them. Yeah, it really does, and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens as not the allegations of sexual assault and abuse grow, but as we see more, uh, I think you're going to see a lot. I read on Red State today about uh, Nickelodeon, some accusations coming about out about Nickelodeon. And yeah. as you get and see these accusations of children or, or former children stars coming out and explaining what has happened to them and the sexual abuse they were subjected to, I think a lot more people are going to take a much harder look at what's going on there and well, hopefully, they've been saying it for years. Yes. Yeah, okay, they, they look have. Okay, look at the boy bands. The, the, okay, 98 Degrees, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. They were saying for years their manager was a predator. Corey the, Feldman. That's true. Corey, look at them. And nobody listens. Hold, hold they're up. saying, they're like, hello, this is happening, but nobody's listening. 
hold, hold that thought. Hold that thought. We're up against the network bottom there, network break. Our guest is Shastina Eloff, an incredible young woman, uh, mother of two, Christian business owner, law student, um, just a, just an incredible woman, uh, gonna be with us on the other side. Network break three minutes. Stay right where you're at. I can be right back. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Erickson. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Reporter family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Caring Close in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to 18 major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% of our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Army's kit at www.changewithwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Thursday, November 
second, 2017. You know, there are so few people in the world today that um, I, I can honestly say I've got just a, a tremendous amount of respect for, personal and professional respect for. Our guest now is just one of those people, uh, not just yeah. her, but her and her husband. And uh, yeah. our, our guest is Justina Eloff. She is, uh, she, she, she's got an internet presence, a very formidable internet presence, by the way, on Twitter. You can follow her at Justina underscore Eloff or Justina Eloff. Um, I, I know I am. And it, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, she she has a uh, weekly, or I'm sorry, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, she has a program on Periscope, social networking. And this is something I don't understand, but I guess we do too. Uh, but it's called Fireback. And I would urge everyone to tune in, and I would urge everyone to follow her on Twitter uh, because you can learn so much. I'm going to mm-hmm. kick it over to you, Joe, because during the break, it was such a great conversation during the break. Uh, you know, so many issues, too, by the way, to talk about, but go ahead. Yeah, Justina, about the, the Fireback show, um, yeah. do, do you do, is it um, just segments on different topics, or do you have a, a time, like you do a whole hour? And, yeah, uh, I try to limit it to, you know, 45 minutes, but I'm so passionate and I love talking with people, so I tend to sometimes go an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Uh, and I pick a segment, and it's one segment. And so last time we discussed the Islam religion, I picked that segment, and we just fire back and we talk about it. I'll talk for about 20 minutes Um and then I open up for open chat, and then we'll talk and see if we can educate, learn different views, figure out what we're going to do, a call to action, how we can move forward as a country. So those are kind of the things. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, it's a different segment or it'd be a follow-up. Um, because sometimes people will say, check this out, or let's talk about this, and I'll go and research it and see, and then we'll follow up on the next segment. Okay. Wow. Okay. What, in your estimation right now, and, and again, being part of the uh, Russian collusion, I'm sorry, the uh, Donald Trump agenda, uh, <laughs> silly me. Um, yeah. yeah. Late, I, just, I, mean, attempts. I just laugh because you know who's colluding with the Russians? It's Hillary. I just, Absolutely. I mean... Absolutely. Yeah, my lame attempts at humor, by the way. But, yeah. but, but, but you know what? Uh, with, with everything that you're seeing and, and you having been a part of the, uh, the Trump campaign, uh, what is, in your view, what is the most pressing issue today? Now, we're just off of a terrorist attack in New York City that, that reflect, re- reflects poorly on the diversity visa, uh, lottery system, which, yeah, and then you've got uh, the terrorism itself. You've got, uh, of course, the the shambles of the economy that was left in our laps by I the think last. We just had another record today. Yeah. On the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but everyone wants to thank Obama for that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh, I, I, <laughs> it's laughable. It's all of the negative is Trump's fault, but all the positive is Obama. That's right. Now, obviously, you know Donald Trump is just one person, and and we're yeah. seeing, you know, we're, um, I, I, one thing I wanted to ask you too uh, before I forget this, and I will forget this. Um, are we going to see any prosecution of the Hillary Clinton uh, crime family? 
Are we going to see anything with Jeff Sessions coming up? And so good. Uh, not from Jeff Sessions. Okay. Um, I've publicly stated many times that I don't think Jeff Sessions is the man for the job, and we need somebody else in there. I agree. What is what is it about Jeff, uh, Sessions that you you don't like? Is it his uh, um, inaction and lack of of uh, talking to the public about so many of the scandals that should be investigated? Um, he only is interested in immigration, illegal immigration. That's it. He can't he can't go any further than that. He's stuck. I'm not sure why he's stuck, but he's stuck on that path and he won't waver. It's like he can't multitask. He can't handle more than one thing. And for his position, you need to be a multitasker. I'm a multitasker. If if I could, I would be doing his job because I would be getting all of them. Uh, but with Hillary Clinton, you know, she's so corrupt, and we see it. Just today, Donna Brazil is coming out and saying that she has proof that the DNC rigged the election for her. Elizabeth Warren said, yeah, she rigged the election. You see them starting to come out and saying, yeah, she rigged the election, and they don't do anything about it. They're saying that this happened, they're saying that they did it, and they're just like, okay, you know, whatever. And Sessions... You know, we have this special prosecutor going after the Russia collusion where I say any prosecutor will do. Let's go after Hillary, Hillary Clinton. There's so much proof. When James Comey said, oh, he doesn't think anyone would prosecute, doesn't think it would be a winning conviction, it just shows you the corruption that we have. And maybe Jeff Sessions is part of this corruption with, uh, with yeah. Hillary Clinton. It, well, we know that Mueller... Is is part of it via uranium one, uh, and the even the, even the emails to some extent, um, mm-hmm. uh, the, at least the, the collusion to cover that up. Uh, mm-hmm. Comey, uh, part of yeah. the uranium. So so they're all part of it. And, and yeah. um, we, do you really want to go investigate yourself? I mean, if they start investigating Hillary Clinton, they're just gonna exactly. Look what I did. <laughs> so, so now, do, do you think uh, do, do you think that Donald Trump should fire or get rid of uh, Mueller? Do you think he will? And uh, and what would the optics be if that did happen? Well, I actually, you know, thought he's got to get rid of Mueller, but now I kind of feel like, you know, we're with, like with Paul Manafort. Okay, it just kind of led to Tony Podesta, and then he stepped down. So I kind of feel like Mueller's just kind of trying to show dirt on Trump, but in the end showing dirt on the other side. So I kind of say Hmm. let him continue on. However, it's wasting a lot of taxpayer money. That I don't like, but we're just digging up more dirt on the Democrats. Well, Joe, you said something about Tony Podesta, I think, or Joe Podesta. Sean Hannity apparently tonight uh, mentioned that there, uh, that Tony Podesta might be indicted tomorrow. Have you heard anything about that? Tick tock, tick tock. No, I haven't. Um, I knew Paul Manafort was going to be indicted before Paul Manafort knew he was going to be indicted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of people. Yeah. And it, what, what concerned me about that is the fact that uh, the the fact that uh, that was leaked. Mm-hmm. You know the the name of Manafort and uh, Gates; those two names were were and uh, Papadopoulos as well. But that was kind of kept a little bit in in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's troubling when you have the leak again coming. It had to come from not Manafort or uh, uh, Gates, but it had to come from within the 
uh, special counsel or office of the special counsel. So maybe we have someone on our side, or maybe we don't. Maybe they wanted Manafort to know it was coming. Hmm. Interesting take on that. Okay. I, I really, yeah, okay. Who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not there. If Tony Podesta is indicted tomorrow, that'll be great. But do they really care? I mean, are they really going to go after him for anything? Or is it just a PR stunt? And, so it'll look like they're... And they're, yeah, yeah. Because they could easily do that, you know, against Tony Podesta or um, somebody on the periphery of, of Hillary Clinton and Obama and all these scandals to try to make uh, make it look as though that that's what they're doing, that they're going after... Um, all these crimes we, that that are provable that we know Hillary Clinton right. committed, but instead um, you could see these indictments just being done for political purposes, and who knows what's going on behind the scenes if deals are struck and and uh, you know plea bargains oh, I, are made. I who knows? You know, no. look at Comey. He he, you know, he said he wrote that memo that Hillary is going to be you know uh, innocent two months before he even investigated. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, how can we believe them? Well, if your leader is corrupt, that leads me to believe that the rest of the FBI has got a little bit of corruption in them. Still, and and that brings me to a question. Uh, now, being on the inside of inside of the campaign for fifteen months, uh, why? It, it almost seems like we still have this infestation of holdovers from Obama, and even going back to Clinton for crying out loud. Um, why is that? Why is the swamp still populated and swampy? Why is it so damn swampy? <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't stand it. It's so... Look at the tax reform. Like, they don't want to do anything for the people. And I think it's because they're not there for us. They're there for their own reasons. When you look at, say, Maxine Waters, she doesn't even live in her district. She lives in this $4 million house. They have to all kind of stand against Trump to keep what they've worked so hard on, right or wrong, whatever they're doing. And so what's happening behind closed doors is because they don't want Trump to accomplish his agenda because it's going to drain the swamp and they can't continue the selfish, greedy, corrupt things that they do. This Russia collusion, we have Sam uh, Clovis, I think, just withdrew from the nomination that Trump yes. gave him and I and someone asked me about it and I said well as we go I think we're finding out that a lot of people on the good side and the bad side and the whatever side have some kind of ties with Russia and they're all just stepping away from him and they kind of want to keep him in this Russia collusion so that they can do what they want to do does that make sense it does it it it, it does very much and it's um, wow. It's yeah. just corrupt. They're just corrupt. It, They're it, all corrupt. It, and I'm starting this new organization. I've been working on it. Uh, I've got together with some of the people from the Bush Cheney campaign. Okay. And what it is is because I'm so sick and tired of seeing people complain and not do anything about it. And so I got with my team here and I said, let's get this going. We need a call to action organization so that we can actually do something. We have Trump at the top, but he needs troops on the ground level to start draining the swamp. And the Republicans are not very good at grooming their politicians as the Democrats are. And we lack in, we don't have a lot of lawyers. They, they're filled with lawyers and we don't have that. So we've got a team getting together 
We're working on seed money right now so that we can come out, get our legal accomplished name, logo, all of that good stuff. And this is what we're working on because we want a call to action so we can actually drain the swamp and get rid of these corrupt people and not fill it with semi-corrupt people. Fill it with American people that really want to do good, really want to accomplish Trump's agenda. Okay, and this is the next MAGA movement? Yes. Um, Okay. And is okay. So, so where are you at in terms of where are you at in terms of uh, the? I'll be able to announce more next week. Okay, all right. Because people, we get emails every single day. Well, you talk about these issues, but what are we supposed to do? Right. You know, and there's a there's there is a feeling of helplessness among yes. uh Christian conservatives. The people with the mm-hmm. people like, you know, people with targets on their backs. Um so 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 this is okay. So you're going to be making an announcement next week about this particular organization? I'm going to make the announcement next week. I have a follow-up call on Monday. You just have to get through legal and make sure that the name's okay and we're not copywriting infringement. No one has this name. You have to go through all those checks, right? And that's what we're doing right now. And that's the same thing as people want to know, well, what can I do? We've got him in office. We have Trump in office. We want him to know that we support his agenda, that we are continuing pushing forward to make America great again. And we need to start at the ground level because the you know representatives, Congress, Senate, th- these people don't really support him. They don't really want him in there. They really don't like the tax reform because we're cutting taxes for the American people. And you can see them complaining and trying to say and lie that this isn't really cutting taxes. Well, you know what I say to them? Listen, I have to balance my checkbook. You should, too. Stop misspending our money. Spend it appropriately where it needs to be spending, and you wouldn't be so concerned about cutting our taxes. It's ridiculous. So, you know, I've got a call to action organization that I'm putting together so that we can actually do things instead of complaining. Uh, have you had a chance to look at the Trump tax cut plan that was released today? I skimmed it. So I can't talk about it fully okay. with knowledge, but I could pull it up if need to. But I saw a couple of things. The 401k is staying intact. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get rid of the estate tax, the death tax which I've always said, get rid of. That's a double tax. Uh, I know they're trying to spin that and say that's only for the 1%. That's ridiculous. When my grandparents died, we were hit with it. My grandparents were not part of the 1%. Oh, we got hit with the same. Yeah, believe me. Uh, we. I, it's a double tax. Mm-hmm. It's a, you've, already, you've already paid income tax on that. Then you put it in savings, and then when it's left to me, I get taxed on it again. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean that, that that your grandmother's estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I think we walked away with like one hundred and seventeen dollars after. It was just I r- believe it. ridiculous. Gosh. It was ridiculous. No. Uh, and they're trying to spin that. Say that's only for the one percent. No, it's not. Stop yeah. falling for the garbage that they spew. The, yeah. the, that's right. But I, I'm so encouraged that, that you've got this group going. And yes, I'm I, encouraged too. I'm so well, I tell you, so so we can turn to you now. Now, yeah. now it's, it's on your shoulders now because you, <laughs> we're going to turn to you to for, for answers. No, seriously, uh, you're going to be announcing this. Uh, I would I would suspect via Twitter on as Twitter. well. Okay, yep. and uh, on, on, of course on your on your show, um, yeah. I'm sure following it up. Okay, because we're going to be following it. I'm so excited because we need to do things. We can't just say, okay, well, Trump's in office, so we're good. Right. We're not good. He needs our help. He needs our help. 
He does. You know, all of this combined, um, this it just seems like we, we've we've been through the mill over the last eleven months. The I've never seen such opposition to a sitting president, and and, I, and I'm old, uh, you know. So <laughs> you're old. Uh, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> no, I, look, he's old. I I voted for uh, I voted for. Um, well, I'm not going to tell you who I first voted for. It wasn't FDR. No, Eric. Just, all right, but but the, but the, look, I, I've I've seen so many uh, presidential uh, uh, elections. I've never seen such a such a uh, opposition to to this one to this one man. Just, if I follow someone on Twitter who's a liberal, just by following them, they come back with hate just because I have MAGA in my bio bio yeah. on Twitter. Man, yeah, that's, they, they, that's ridiculous. the um, the people out there who who I call the the liberal insanity crowd, they it, it it's just anything that is pro American, pro uh, economy, uh, you know, second pro amendment. tax cuts, pro second amendment. They they just take it so personally, like you just slap so their mother. And like it, I'm, oh my gosh, it's crazy. Let's talk about gun control for a little bit, oh, if please. we can. I, because you know, even in the wake we're, of this we're, we're, we 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 think that no one should have guns except the police. See, gu- guns kill people, so that's our our position. It's so funny because my AR-15s in the closet, and in the past forty-five minutes, it hasn't killed anyone. <laughs> well, that's because I don't know why. Yeah, you, you blew my argument away. No, but but seriously. Uh, it, it, it amazes me to see de Blasio and Cuomo coming out, I think it was yesterday, talking about gun control because of the terrorist attack in right. New York City. And then you had people uh, saying, well, imagine how bad if it would have been if he did have an AR-15. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, um, yeah. What I called for a couple of days ago was we need background checks on Home Depot trucks. <laughs> yeah, the assault trucks. Yeah, exactly. They are killing people. I mean, it's crazy. These these people are sitting here. They defend Islam. They completely ignore the ideology of Islam. How can you defend Shara Allah? You can't. Or you can, but but certainly it's antithetical to our Constitution and certainly our Christian beliefs and everything we stand for as a country. But aside from that. Just as a woman, how can you defend Shara Allah? You can't. No, there's just no way. Which, you want to tell me that I I have to cover my skin? I can't drive. I'm just an item to a man. He can do whatever he wants with me at any time. I have no voice. I can't speak to another man. Oh, you want to cut a part of my female anatomy off? Who can defend that? And then you want to talk to me about gun control? No, I need my guns because you guys are allowing this in our country, and I need to defend myself. Yeah, look at Europe. Look at the rise in, in sexual assaults. Did you see in Egypt yesterday, I think it was? I'm not sure if it was a, who it was on Egyptian television, but they said it was our patriotic duty, it was their patriotic duty to rape women who wear revealing clothes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that was just a whacked out. And they said Cairo was the, the uh, most dangerous city for, mega city for, for women to travel to. And this is what is being defended by, by this liberal media. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, I did uh, a show on sexual assault and sexual harassment, and I wore a very low-cut revealing shirt on purpose. And 
I got a lot of people in there who were like, oh, my God, your boobs. Oh, my God, you know, that's an invitation. Wearing a low-cut shirt or revealing clothing is not an invitation, period. If I walk around naked, I shouldn't do that, right? It would probably be against my Christian religion because I'm married. But if I choose to do so, it's not an invitation in any fashion. I'm a breastfeeding mother, so sometimes I'm in public breastfeeding. It's not an invitation. I'm feeding my child. Right. So for someone to say that, it's... Well, um, it's it's Victor. It's blaming the... the well... You're it, blaming the... Because yeah. she wore this. She wanted it. No. Maybe she thought she looked good. I, you know, I my boobs are fake. They're they're big, and I love them out and about. I'm proud of them. I think they're sexy. It's not an invitation. R- regardless, and it's not. It, it, that's, I like that. that that's I'm true. okay with my boobs. I'm comfortable. I'm like 115 pounds. It is what it is. If I want to wear a short skirt, it's really hot outside, or short shorts. That's my choice, but it's it's not an invitation for you to sexually harass me or assault me. And it's really not my. I'm, I, yeah, to make me to say something like that, it's like you actually need to check yourself. Right, right. When you I, come at me and say those things, because that's on you, not on me, because you are sexualizing what I'm wearing. And I think a lot of this is the uh, moral, you know, the, the moral bankruptcy uh, of our country is I mean, our morality. You turn back to God. That's exactly right. <laughs> You're exactly right, and I think I think that that's that's as you pointed out early on in the program. Uh, you know, have, being a Christian, having a, a nuclear family, having Christian values, um, and all kidding aside, uh, that that that's really central to to um, to, to the survival and to the uh, thrival uh, thriving of, of of our country. I mean, the thrival. Yeah. Well, I think people have a hard time, some of them, with Christianity and what they think Christianity is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They they sit there and say, okay, if I, if I have a low-cut top, well, you're supposed to be a Christian. What does your husband think of that? And so I did a video afterwards with my husband, and I said, husband, what do you think of my top? And he says, I think your top's fantastic. You know what I mean? So you don't have to be a prude. It, Christians don't hate sex. They don't They don't not have a sense of humor. I have a very funny sense of humor. I'm outgoing. I'm a nice person. I'm not racist. Uh, Just because my Jesus commands me to love. That's really it. And spread the word of Christ. Mm -hmm. People don't understand Christianity. They think we're prudes or we're stuck up. Um, We are against gays. We're against all of this stuff. And that's just really not true. And I find that's a lot of the hate that I get is because, oh, you're a Christian. You hate me because I'm a lesbian. You hate me because I'm transgender. You hate me because I want to kill my unborn baby. I mean, these are the things that I get. And they just stereotype. Well, yeah, they don't right. want us to stereotype that. They, they, they certainly uh, conflate uh, 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 hatred with disagreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so so I, I yeah I understand that that that's that's wow. Well, I, we could talk with you all night. This has been a fascinating. You really could. This you know it's it's kind of like sitting down at the kitchen table and just having a chat about uh, about the issues. But but the big thing here, and I just really I cannot wait is uh, anticipating your announcement of yeah. now is this gonna be a five hundred one. 501- 
Okay, the five hundred one C four is this? Are you setting it up as or? I'm not sure how they're setting it up. I'm gonna. Uh, they're in charge of that stuff because I've never done this before. But what I came to them, I got everyone together and I said, "Look, people don't know what to do. They come to me and they're like, how do we do this? How? What can I do? I want to help. I I want to drain the swamp." Mm-hmm. So I got these guys together, and they're they're older than me, um, more experienced. And I said, look, I have a voice. I have a platform. People are asking me what to do, and I want to make this possible. We, we can get the troops together, and we can do something. So I know we need legal. I know we need to do this. I want to make sure we, we dot our I's and, and cross our T's, because I don't want to make sure, you know, you see people who run for office, and they're not following all the rules when it comes to getting, you know, contributions and stuff like that. So I want to make sure, because we're going to be, you know, fundraising, that everything is on the up and up, um, you know, legally. And But people need help. And if we tell them what to do, a step-by-step, listen, uh, call this person, do this, fill out this form, you know, come here, then people will do it. A lot of people aren't leaders. A lot of people are followers, and that's great. So you've got a leader, and you've got a lot of people that are willing to do the work. They just don't know what to do. They're looking and for direction. And you see that with yeah. Republicans. You know, they want to pass this agenda or pass this legislation, but I see sometimes they just don't know what they're doing. <laughs> right, and the, the leadership is lacking uh, in mm-hmm. some cases. And I'm yeah. glad that you're taking on the mantle of leadership in this case. So we're going to be following you as we approach the end of the show. We're going to be following you very closely. Uh, please let us know. Uh, I will. I'm excited. I uh, want everybody to know, everyone in the MAG movement, because, you know, it's, it's to make America great again. And Amen. we can't leave our president alone. And sometimes I feel like he he feels alone. And I want him to know that we still have his support. We're still focusing on the agenda. We want him to run in 2020. And when he runs, he will win. I, I, I'll I tell you what. Um, I think if the elections were held uh, tomorrow, there might be a, a pretty populated field of candidates. But I do believe that he would still, uh, despite everything thrown at him, he would still prevail at this point. I think Mark Cuban says he wants to run. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let him at this point. I hope, I let, hope he does. Yeah. Please, yeah. please yeah. do. <laughs> It'd be a big favor to the Republican Party. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Justina Eloff is the name. You can wow. follow her on Twitter as well as uh, subscribe to her YouTube channel. Absolutely. And that yes, is... that's right. I had to start. I, I'm starting to put my videos on YouTube. I'll, I'll get him up there. I'm new to it. I know. In the, on YouTube, it's Shastina Sandman. You can go That's and... That's my married name. And go and subscribe okay. there and follow her, her podcast, The Fireback. It's a, that her is. weekly it's on live Twitter, show. Periscope. Okay. okay. Fantastic. Awesome. It, it's been a pleasure. We, we hope you'll come back and visit with us. I would love to. I okay. love it. You guys are great. Well, I'll tell you what. You've added, uh, like I said, coming in, you've added a lot of class to uh, to our program oh. tonight. So we really appreciate it. Uh, God bless you. and, and God bless you. Uh, your husband, your family. Uh, what a terrific guest. Thanks for coming Thank on. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Wow, folks, that was Shastina Eloff. Uh, follow her on Twitter again, Shastina Eloff. What a gracious young lady uh, she is. Yeah. She's a Christian. She's a wife. She's a mother of two. She's a mompreneur, uh, as she likes to 
likes to call herself. But these are the kind of people I believe. What are the kind of people? These are the people who will, Joe, I mean, change, you know, uh, change our country for the better. I r- really believe that. So, yes. Right. And and we need more people like her out there. That'll do it for us tonight. I want to thank each and every one of you guys for joining us. I want to thank Peter Chalka for coming on. Peter. Uh, check out his article wow. on the top of HagmanReport.com dealing with Fox News. And we want to thank, um, we had Shastina Eloff on and we had Stephanie Sledge on from TheGovernmentRag.com. It was a great show. And we will be back tomorrow. Until hey, then, tune into my show, 9 o'clock, and then yeah, your show at 2. 10, and then 2 to 3 All for right. the Hagman Daily Show. Have a great night, everyone.